Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us the only producer that matters, Mr. Eli Hedges, the Ballina Bomber. <laughs> As the Eli says, the second best podcaster <laughs> from Ballina. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The jewel of the East Coast, Mr. Eli Hedges. Thank you, Eli. And your count is improving yeah. tremendously. Thank you very much. And we have with us everyone's favorite biracial angel, Oops. Mr. Robert Whitaker. Hello, everybody. Um, can I give a shout out to Mr. Nathan Murray Lockwood? He is a GAP program graduate, um, a champion of a bloke. He did this painting for us, and this painting is going up there till the end of days. Um, really, really flattered that like the amount of work. So it's, it's Aboriginal artwork, but it has a fusion fusion in it with um, the Gracie Jiu Jitsu emblem. That's a Gracie Jiu Jitsu emblem for the GAP program, so the Gracie Aboriginal Pathways. Um, we're looking to open that up as well to non-Indigenous people. Um, honestly, thank you so much, Nathan. I can't imagine, like, no, that is a lot of hard work and, and, and effort, and it's a beautiful piece of piece of work. So we're, we're very happy and honoured to have it here and you know, on display. Eli, do you want to talk us through the meaning of the artwork? Yes, I was speaking to Nathan. He just said he's got the, the two different coloured circles there. They're sort of representing the yep. Cert 3 and the Cert 4 guys. And then they're coming, you know, we have the students come in from all over the state and then they're meeting in the middle and I guess sort of um, all coming together in the program. So he's put some meaning in that behind it as well. And, yeah, cheers again to Nathan, um, his wife, for letting him be able to come down. And, um, yeah, thank you. All right. Mm. Now, honestly, Nathan, thanks. Thank you very much. And, um yeah, so guys, if you want to make any donations or anything to Grange TV, anything, uh, you know, over $10,000 tax deductible, so <laughs> <laughs> feel free, guys, to send Rolexes or anything like that. Um, we're very, very flattered with it. Um, we have a very special guest on today, uh, Mr. Chris Weidman. Um, so Eli, uh, Eli oh, Rob's going to message him I'll now. i message. And Chris is going to ring in, and we're going to have a chat with him. We were just talking with him a little bit off air then. Um, very, very nice chap. And, uh, very nice. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> Rob, yes. Don't embarrass me. I'll, I'll do my best. Don't, don't. I'll do my best. Don't embarrass me <laughs> with your incessant trash talking. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna do just start trash talking. Just start arguing with him. Very upset, guys. We couldn't we couldn't come in last week. It was just a hard week to get everything together. Very busy week with competitions and everything. So um, happy yeah, to be here. Though. We didn't do what happened last week. Oh no, the, was it the fires? Yeah, there were, no, 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 that was a week before. That was a week before. We were just tied up. Yeah, we couldn't come in for some reason. We're, I can't remember. We were very tied up. The Swans? He's went into the Swans as well? No, the Swans was on Thursday. So, yeah, last week was crazy. We were in there with the Sydney Swans, eh, on yeah. Thursday. That was amazing. That was... Yeah, that was actually one of the... one of the. It was so much fun. It was one of the, one of the better experiences I've had with, uh, with like, training. <laughs> training and, and sports teams. And No, it was, it was, like, me, Jacob and all that. Really enjoyed it. Here we go. Here we go. Hey. Hey, Chris. How are you, mate? I am good, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. good. Welcome good. to Grange TV. Thank you for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of us, but we are a pretty big deal. <laughs> in this town. I, I actually have heard about you in Sweet Grange. New York. Um, what, this, this one kid from my gym, his name is Stephen Lee. I'm going to get call him out right now because he'll be super pumped for talking about him. But he had told me about your guys' podcast, and he's a big, big fan. 
Really? And, uh, he said, yeah, he loves it. He loves your Shout out to Stephen Liam then. For yeah. real, there's actually a person that listens to us out there. You guys have fans. Look at us grow. At least one. We've got at least one. Good guy. I just thought it was just my mum and a couple other people, but there you go. Yeah. You guys are famous. <laughs> How have you been, mate? I'm doing good, man. I just, um, I don't know. I'm, I just been hanging out at the gym a lot, working out. Um, you know, I own the gym with Longo, so I'm there spending more time uh, trying to get that going. And uh, yeah, just training and um, dust stuff with the family. Do you coach down there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm coaching more now, but not nothing crazy. I'm kind of just helping out, trying to get the business going. And a part of that, obviously, is me teaching. But because of my fight career it's been it's been hard i'm not coaching every class or yeah you know it's no like set schedule i do the kids wrestling probably the most uh because i have kids that are doing it um but i kind of just jump in and like we'll start teaching randomly do you enjoy coaching with with the the children yeah especially (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i do i do i actually i do like coaching with the kids that's why i'm uh I'm going to open up some uh, <laughs> here. I'm, I'm not like an alky or anything like that. I actually hardly drink just because it makes you make, makes me feel like crap sometimes the next day. But because I'm on with Whitaker, <laughs> cheers, bro. Cheers. Where's, your, where's your drink? I, I, I wasn't prepared. I got It's, it's like water. middle of the afternoon for us here. <laughs> it's, it's midday here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging. Cheers. Cheers, cheers mate. Cheers. Hey, I'm going to take a sip of this. What is that? Is that a whiskey? So this is a this is a Macallan. Yeah, it's a Scotch. I guess scotch. it's pretty much a. Uh, it's the only Scotch I know. It's the only only thing I really know about this business is is this right here and, and proper whiskey, of course. Mm. Uh, but uh, the reason why I know, funny enough, is that one day I was out with uh, Lorenzo Fertitta. This is back when we were trying to get MMA legalized back in the day in New York. And uh, we were going around speaking to different, like, assemblymen and senators and, like, you know, in different districts of New York. And we went out one night, and he had ordered a, uh, a scotch for me, a McAllen's. And I'm, ever since then, I'm like, all right, that guy's drinking McAllen's. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm if I'm, I'm going to have a scotch, that's what I drink, and that's all I do. Because you had a pretty big part in, in, in legalizing MMA in, um, in, in New York, didn't you? Um, yeah, I mean, they kept me busy. I was... You know, I remember one time we did like a whole um, tour where we did six six different places in New York, like six different cities, and uh, I would give a speech at each one alongside like um, a few other executives in the UFC, and uh, yeah, it was really cool. It's, and and it's crazy to look back now because you almost forget that it was not legal in New York not too long ago, uh, because now it's like you already you already start taking it for granted. You forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Most of my career, I wasn't able to fight in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, but I'm glad that's all settled down now and we're good to go. Um, even though it didn't work out for me too well, every fight in New York I've pretty much lost other than Gaslam. So New York has kind of screwed me. <laughs> Not the best luck over here. Mate, Do you I feel, feel a lot? Oh, sorry, good. No, no, please. Uh, Do you feel a lot more pressure when you fight at home? Um... I don't know. I the way I look at it, yeah, there's definitely pressure. You know, it's like shit. I don't want to lose in front of all these, you know, all my friends and family. But at the end of the day, they're probably going to be watching, no matter where I'm at. Uh, the people I'm thinking about, who I'm like kind of focused on, and and how they're going to react. Um, but it does play a little bit of a. It does kind of play some tricks in your mind when you're when you're fighting at home. Um, 
but I, I don't know. If I wasn't fighting at home, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself regardless, you know. Um, Do you find that there's like a, a like maybe two times or three times as much media surrounding it as, as usual, like opposed to when you're fighting <laughs> elsewhere? I get, Does that happen with you? Uh, yeah, so like when I fight in Australia, like the local paper wants a piece, like friends want to message me and call me and like it's just, there's just so much more. Everyone just wants to be a part of the, the ride, if you would, which is like, like you take, you, you say thank you because they're only, they just want to be a part of it all with you. But it's, it also is just like little pieces just stacking the pile higher. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, man. It's the, the media, it, it becomes a lot. And when I'm fighting in New York, it, it becomes a lot. You know, New York is one of the you know media capitals of the world, <laughs> yeah. and they have a New Yorker born and raised. So there, they just like you know, I have to be on everything. I'm going to be on the forefront of everything, and it does take a lot out of me. Um, I, I I'm like, I could be the life of the party, but that takes a lot of like, uh, you know, like energy out of me and, to and do. mental like, space. Be that person. Yeah, and, and but I also but I think I'm more of like a quiet person who likes to sit by myself and play video games in my room and not like have to be in the forefront of everybody's minds and being asked every question in front of all these people and everything I say is criticized and all that shit. Yeah. So that does that does annoy me and I've had to obviously like I'm a big mindset guy and the second you start being negative about anything it's only going to get worse. So throughout my career I've always just been super positive about media. But now that I start seeing um, towards the end, I start seeing the other side of the picture of my fighting career. Um, I think I could be more honest with myself and be like, yeah, that's it is tough for me, the media thing. C can you elaborate what you meant by seeing the other side of your of your fighting career? Do you mean coming to the end or, or what do you mean? Yeah, um, I don't know when I'm going to be finished, but it's probably the first time in my life in my career where I could actually sit back and be like, no, I'm pretty much I'm, I am towards the end. Um, uh, I, I just know that I, I like, and I know I've known my whole whole career. This is not something that's gonna last forever. But it's it was hard for me to like truly peek my head outside the window and see into the other side because we're so focused on what we're doing, and um, you need to be so focused to be yeah. at the top. You kind of can't have one foot out. Like no. if you if you have one foot out already, it's you're it's, it's too it's number. too dangerous. It's too hard it's, to. To, to be like that I, I completely I completely understand you, yeah no, 100% but you you still feel very much in for, for the time being or yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely not retiring now um, I still love it I still I still love to train um, I would love to win a belt again you know and win that back but I'm not uh, I'm just it's been I, I've had a great I've had great successes and I've now hit bottom multiple times and um and then i've rose a little bit you know I, I came back out of that a little bit with gaslam and then i fell back down and then i'm on the, on the i'm on the way to try to get back up again um and just during this those time periods it's like you know you just start realizing that at the end of the day it's like this is going to be you know you can't do this forever and and you start kind of finally looking outside of it. I mean, I remember when I was champion, I, there was not one thought of this. I couldn't think like that. I mean, I got offered all these different like Hollywood parts and all this, just a bunch of different opportunities. And I was just like, I'm good. I'm not ready. I'm not doing any of that. I didn't care because my goal was to just become champion multiple times and just when you know, when millions doing that, not like become other things, you know. Um, but now it's fine. But now I'm at the point in my career where it's like and now I'm, I'm okay with <laughs> doing other things that will 
help me after I'm done fighting. That will kind of, you know, something I could continue to do after fighting. I, I have and a for question. a long time, I like avoided that. I have a question for you because um, it's something, and I've had a chance. Well, we've had opportunity to meet Longo and to meet um, Matt Sarah and that. They they seem like you know really really good guys. And um, how have you guys managed to to because for us, like when we're watching you, when when you lose, we're like, oh fuck, Weidman lost. But we like knowing Thank the. Thank you. No, but, but, you know, but it's not like, oh, fuck, he's shit. You know, like people hear people say that or Rob lost his last fight and he should, he should retire too, you know. Like, like we understand, all right, fuck, he lost. You know, usually we're going for you, you know what I mean? And um, it is what it is. But, but then, like, to, how, do you, how do you guys deal with the losses and how do you guys keep that team together? Because you have such a good, strong team. And, and you know, the pressure that – because it doesn't just build on you. The pressure builds on your team as well. How do you guys deal with that? And there's there's like four thousand four million MMA experts that comment on every social media post, yeah. saying what you could have done, should have done, yeah. fire this guy, bring in this guy, change this up. How do you oh, yeah. How, yeah? How do you just like understand? Oh, shit happens, and stay in that 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 track. Um, Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm there. there there's certain. There's certain. I've flirted with like everything over my career. Um, you know, when you get different offers from different things, and you know, you start seeing the other side. You know, the grass is always greener. You know, uh, but it's almost like it's almost like being married. And I'm just thinking about this now. It just popped in my head, but I kind of see it like a correlation. It's like when you first get married, and like there's a lot, you're in the limelight, and all these girls are around. You start thinking about like the grass is always greener. And I know our wives are listening right now. We love you guys. So. <laughs> Uh, never leaving you but but once you mature in your mind and you realize that like you have a loyal person that's got your back to the death and like you could fight try to we could always go out and look for other things but at the end of the day you're gonna lose a part of yourself if you leave and i feel like for me it's my coach like ray and matt um it's like it's kind of like a marriage like i can't ever i have zero even thought about leaving them just like i don't want to have zero thought of cheating on my wife it's the same thing with like i have zero thought of leaving them because they they've been with me since the beginning um if they're if if i'm obviously i haven't been on the best streak um but i don't blame them at all I'm, I, I apologize because to to, really to your defense you've been winning most of those fights all of those fights ah. yeah well thank you i appreciate you defending me there I know. What the fuck? <laughs> this sport, this sport is tough. It fucking is, man. It fucking is. And then we gotta sit there. We're doing podcasts. We're hanging out, and everyone's just like, "Oh, you suck, Whitaker. You lost your last fight, so now you <laughs> suck. You should retire." Weidman, forget about me at this point. But after I lost about my after I lost my first fight, it was the same thing. You suck, and you should retire. Um, and you gotta wait a long time to be able to go back in that octagon and prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, and 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 I feel for my coaches a lot. Like, like I don't want to ever leave them. I actually, when I, if I when I lose, I just feel bad for them because they have to deal with the same shit. They get dragged into the same thing. Like, have you not been working this with Weidman? Have you not been doing this? Like, uh, and they they look at the comments on Instagram. They see how they get bashed just as much. So I feel bad for them because you know they do everything they possibly can for for me to have success. And sometimes in this sport, it's like. Listen, sometimes you land the punch and other times that guy lands the punch. Sometimes you make the right decision and sometimes you make the wrong decision. And um, I don't think that is anybody else's fault besides just the sport we're in. It's, it's the just the, the, the night. It's 
it just wasn't your night you know it, we've spoken about this like a lot and you can do absolutely everything right and, and still come short sometimes yeah and there's times you, yeah. you don't do everything right and you win like you know what I mean yeah. you have a bad weight cut you go out yeah. there, you don't fight that well and then the dude just runs into one and you're like I oh, fucking won mad I know so I almost I almost think sometimes like fighting should be more like sparring like with the bigger gloves and everything that takes less chance of something terrible going wrong <laughs> yeah. um, out of the hands and it's like I feel like the more of the skill set will show in a sparring session over time like if you spar over and over again you'll be like all right he has better stand up this guy has better wrestling jujitsu this is what he has to do and there's less crazy dangerous things that happen yeah less chance factor I, yeah I, less less chance in there I think it was after the Gaslam fight. I think you were talking about how... I'm paraphrasing a bit. I can't remember exactly what you said, but you said something along the lines of um, you acknowledged your wife a lot, thanked your wife, and you said uh, how good it was to be you know, back in, 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 a winning, in a winning fashion. But you, I, I remember you speaking a lot about you saying how you had, to, you had to have a very, very thick skin and your family getting dragged through the mud in it. it would, do, yeah. do, you, do you remember saying something like that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um like, how bad is it for your family when you said your I mean, family had to get... Because they're getting, like, well, I could tell you my kids, uh, like, there's some, there's some things that happen at school. And when I'm thinking the worst things that happen to me as far as, like, from going from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows is, you know, uh, you know, my daughter going to school after my fight and one of the kids saying, hi, your daddy got knocked out. Like, and my daughter, who's clueless, kind of, she's, like, nine years old, the sweetest thing ever. It's like... Why are you saying that to me? Like kids I'm are like, fucked. And when I hear that, and like other kids with that kid, like laughing, and I'm like, that is that's what uh, an example of my family going through the mud. And like my daughter's not, she's not defending herself. Like she's not. I mean, it's just messed up. I, I she didn't sign up for that. You know, what I mean, so that bothers me. And then like obviously like my mom, my dad, my parents. I mean, my parents, uh, my wife, anybody in my family or close circle, uh, they're gonna have their own friends or acquaintances or just people they don't know mention things like you know to them that they're gonna have to defend me and I feel like it sucks to have to put them in those uh situations um can i ask you mate like why do you think the sport is 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 like that because uh you know i've, I've spoken about it we've spoken about it a bunch of times about the culture kind of the ruthlessness of the fans and the sport but like what do you think the, the, the sport is that ruthless, is that cutthroat? Because, like, you have your sporting teams on the weekends and, and they lose or they but, but win. But it's bad for the sporting teams too. Yeah, but it, it's not that bad. It's not it's The, not the difference, bad. I think, with you guys is the fighters themselves. Like, say, for example, I think, like, say a football team or a soccer team loses, the other teams, general, I don't know, in Australia probably don't jump on as much. But I think, like, when Chris loses... Or you lose the other fighters that are yeah. going through the same shit. Because that little kid that said shit to his daughter, like his parents would probably be hit with baseball bats because he's <laughs> fucked. Like that's just wrong. But but um, yeah. Like honestly, if my if somebody came and said your daughter said that to another kid to me, I'd, I'd lose my shit. If my daughter was saying that yeah. to someone, grounding forever. Ah, oh, dude. But but aside from that, look, the the thing I think what you're getting at, I don't think it's just the fans and the rest of it. Yeah. I think it's like. The other fighters, like, 
say you lose, everyone else jumps on. Like, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's that is another huge thing. It's like with with the other fighters. Like you lose, and every other guy just wants to kick you while you're down. Like they've never lost. Like like they're know. doing so well themselves. <laughs> it's, it's usually like a shit eater who's like ranked forty, going like, "You're shit. I could beat you any day." It's like, oh, like I don't understand it. They're joining in. It's like social media really is a big. That, I mean, social media is a big reason on why I think people, why we're seeing this and people act like that. Like, they, people just got used. I've, I've heard someone said this recently, and I'm like, that is it. Like, people just got so used to being on social media and saying whatever they want to say and not having to, like, get slapped in the face for it. So it's like, if, and I, I kind of grew up, like, if I'm not going to say something to your face, I'm not going to say it behind your back. I'm not going to say it on social media. That's, like, completely gone now. It's like, you could say whatever you want and not mean it or mean it and you won't have to say it to their face. Like, there are no consequences. Say whatever you want. There's no consequences for your actions at all. Thanks for summing that up for me. I, I'm shocked by that too though. Like I see people and they say shit and then like I, you see them I, and I'm not, I'm not a fighter or I'm not an intimidating guy at all but I'm, I meet them or, or I see them or they've said something about Rob but I'm expecting that to carry on and it's like, oh no, it's not like you're cool. Like it's all good. But I, oh my god! Do, do, Bro, do you know what I mean? Oh, 100 percent. You, you, if you go on my Instagram, like it's actually since I'm doing pretty bad right now. Like I actually don't have as much haters when I'm doing a little bit better, or I just came off like my first loss. It's actually it's probably worse. But I've I've could count on my one hand how many times actually someone said something negative to me in my face. Like out of all the fans I've met over the years, like I'm on lines. There's crowds of people. They could scream it from like far away. Still they just don't do it you know what i mean um but the amount of comments and negative stuff i get spewed at me all the time on social media it's every day all day long so it's like you wonder where are these people because how much does that because you know people look at you like you know you're chris weidman or robert whittaker how much does that on a human level affect you as far like the negative stuff yeah that uh i can't say it doesn't affect me at all definitely it definitely affects me um I don't know. I've been, I've, I've gone through like different stages of my life through, you know, my career where like it bothered me more than other, other times. Like where I got, like I used to be on forums, MMA forums, and then I got completely off that. I have zero interaction with any of that stuff now. That was years ago. I cut that out because it was bothering me. Um, and then I got to the point where I stopped reading comments altogether, the mentions, just because. I thought I'd be like brave enough to open up my Twitter and go to the mentions, and I saw one good one, so let me scroll down a little bit. Then all of a sudden, you get the bad ones. I'm like, ah, you know, you get stabbed in the heart. And uh, I don't know. I go through, like, I don't know. I guess, I guess they do bother me sometimes, and sometimes they don't. I try not to let it bother me. Does your wife read them? Does your wife see it? I'm sure she does, but I mean, she she's been instructed over the years, like, <laughs> you don't argue back with them. Don't. Don't give them any light. Just yeah. move on. One hundred percent. Like, there's there's been guys that have tried to like infiltrate that too. Like, you know, trying to get her to come back at them and you know talking shit to her. And I've what the fuck goes wrong in your life? Like, oh, no, like to do that. Like, and it's funny. Like, I'm I'm very much the same way. Where you tell yourself, I'm like, like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I'm not gonna let it bother me. I'm not gonna let it bother me. But it fucking does. Every bad comment is just a little chip away, and it chips away, and it chips away, and it's just, it's just, and then you've read six or seven of them, and you just sit there feeling like shit. But how? But do you Bro. do you see a lot of your comments? No, I, I don't. Like I, I make a conscious effort not to 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 do that. Like to to read all the comments, to read every comment, and, and stuff like that. But 
sometimes they slip past sometimes they just slip yeah, past or yeah. you're like or exactly as yeah. you say like someone says a real nice thing and you go to that comment you're like yeah that's that's a beautiful thing to say and then the next one is like you're <laughs> fucking shit and you're like wow what is it it's, well if you give if you get excited for the good ones you're gonna get fucking super upset about the bad ones. <laughs> yeah. so like the goal is to not give a shit no matter what they say even if they that, that's how i am i'm super skeptical if someone says something nice to me i try not to even pay attention to it i'm like and it's messed up bro like i've had messages from people like you know like really like heartfelt things and i'm like i can't res- like i can't respond like i don't respond to a lot of them because i'm just like i feel like i've if I'm starting to give, I don't know what it is. I'm guessing it's a defense mechanism in me because I've been hit so bad at this point over and over again for so many years, like in a negative, like negative shit that I'm just like, I can't give the good any, any, uh, like ammo either because I feel like if I do, the bad's going to hit me. Oh, I've got a question for you. Cause you, you know how, um, there's that whole thing. Like when you're winning, everybody's around and when you're losing, there's nobody. Um, I'm just wondering, like, did, have you encountered that? Have you experienced this? Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, you know, not to go through my resume, but, like, at one point I was undefeated undefeated and the world champion, and I just beat Ennis Silva. Yeah. And so everyone is... You carved your way up there, too. Yeah. You, like, you were undefeated, too. You lost to Rockhold, which was uh, your fourth no, title defense. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is oh, pretty shit. good. <laughs> I love you, Fab. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so during that time period, it was like, it was crazy. I always did a good job. Obviously, my coaches were always at the forefront of my circle, you know, and I never that never changed. Um, lots of managers, different strength coaches over the years, but my coaches, my my main, my obviously Matt Sarah and Ray Longo. That's kind of been my dot, my like my rock is obviously my family, my wife. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of everyone, I, everyone wanted to be a you know have a piece of me you know in some in some capacity you know what i mean different business ideas and you know, I mean, I business ideas really are the direct. best and i love the business, yeah, business ideas, ideas. <laughs> yeah appearances everywhere you know it really life did get chaotic there for for a long time um i got a question for you rob so one of the things that i noticed especially leading into your last fight um you being champion for a while, you never really got to the point where you were talking trash on your opponent. You never mm. like came out and like came out of your comfort zone and was like, you know what, I'm gonna say something negative just to get more attention and then better pay per view buys and everything. like I didn't see it at least. I, yeah, maybe no. you jumped in, maybe a couple of interviews here and there, but um, I find I found that like endearing. I I, I thought that was amazing um, because I wasn't able to do that. I I tried. But I, that was one thing that I got caught up in for a little bit. I wasn't any Conor McGregor, but I did have that pressure on me, and I did kind of fall into it a little bit. And I was, I was like, wow, I was, I was super impressive because I know the business side of the of the, of the thing too, and f- to see that you were still maintaining like who you were, yeah, was super impressive. No, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, I, I guess like f- first thing, <laughs> first things, first thing first was that in terms of like. Trash talking to increase the pay-per-view. I, I straight out knew I would never sell good pay-per-view. <laughs> like I just I just ruled that out. I was like, all right, they're either going to come to watch me fight or, or that's it. Like, let's not even bank on that one. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then secondly, it's just... And you had no problem with that. You were not trying... You weren't itching to, like, 
all right, I talk trash with my friends when I play video games or whatever, like, whatever you do where you kind of maybe go outside that normal, you know, Robert Whitaker ways. Yeah. Um, nothing that you could have plugged into where, like, you know what? I'm doing it knowing I'm messing around, but it, it's going to possibly make me more video views. Well, um, yeah, the, the thing with me is that, like, it's just not, it's just not who I am. And, it, like, you, you see it now with a lot of the, the, the younger fighters or the up-and-coming fighters, they, they try to put on that Conor McGregor mask. And they, 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 and it just looks silly. And everybody, everybody around knows it looks silly, and they, it cheapens them. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, and I just, everyone would have seen that it's not me. You know, if you I mean? would have had to do it all over again, Robert Whitaker's coming up. You just got in the UFC. Do you change anything as far as the persona that you're presenting to the people? You, you mean like uh, just coming into the new UFC? You're just coming to the UFC right now, and you're, you're, you're going to be champion. You're going to have that that option for pay-per-views and all that shit that's that's already gonna happen how, how, do you change anything in your persona knowing that how you could possibly make money uh the thing i don't think i can i don't think i can it's just but nobody knows you at that point nobody yeah. knows who you are like man these what if questions are so no, hard but but i think what he's you'd saying like, he'd be like an actor you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. you, like figure out a way just have, like, have you seen me yeah, act? No, but <laughs> <fucking> shit. <laughs> can, can I say something like? Too, I'm terrible. You, you know, Chris, you were saying um, if you were going to be the yeah, life of the. He's just gone. He just left us. He's talking. You know how you were saying if you were going to be the life of the party, how much energy would take from you? Like for Rob, I think the best way because I'll probably answer this as well. Like from he, just because I'm around him a lot, for him to do the, this podcast over the last year and a bit has been like a massive step out of his shell like to to he's a very very introverted person yeah. and what you're seeing now is like the end result of almost two <laughs> yeah. years you know what yeah. i mean 10 step process yeah. but, but that's that's like I'm, I'm not hanging shit on him because like if you make me fight it's going to take a lot more than two years for me to be competent you know what i mean oh uh, yeah everybody's different yeah so but, so okay okay i i i hear you so, if you were younger than just getting the UFC, would you somehow, just like you grew to be able to do this put, podcast? If, put, put it this way. Just like you changed a little bit to be able to be you know, extroverted enough to do it, this. If I, um, if, if I could go back to when I was younger, I'd, I'd study harder and stay in school, mate. <laughs> 100%. And invest in Microsoft. But, you, you, know, you know, like, if, if we had that, that um, the same scenario that you're saying... I think what would have been good is probably getting Rob to do the podcast earlier and then maybe by the time he was champion and he was doing the podcast, he'd, he'd probably be in a different platform media-wise. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think yeah, that he would have... Yeah. yeah. Because there's, like... There's so many things we could be doing different, yeah. obviously. I'm, I know I'm giving you like... I'm, I'm all over you right now, but I mean, there's a billion things I should have done different when I was champion or on my way up. I mean, there's like... But hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, but like... Uh, like Take this example. is like... When when I was champ, I, I hated it. Hated it. Because... Really? Um, would you say it? Would you say that out loud when you were champion? No, because when you're a champ, like, and you'd get this too, it's like, when, when you're trying to fill a role, you have to kind of tell yourself you are that role. You kind of have to tell yourself, like, like when, when, you're, when you're not feeling the training, you can't say, I'm not feeling the training. No, you have to be like, okay, it's a hard day, but I can do this. Let's get through this one more day. It's like, you can't be like that. And the same thing is when you're fighting and when you're champ, you can't be like, I don't want to be champ. I don't want to fight. I don't want to do this. But, but to clarify, it's not you want to lose the belt. I don't think you want to lose the fight. 
I just don't think when I, you say what you don't, yeah, you didn't I, want the attention, did, the thing like because like like Fab just said with oh, the, yeah, the whole building yeah. up to where we are now. Like I didn't, I couldn't handle the media too well. Like I couldn't, I could handle it very well. Like you said, you could be the life of the party. I could switch on to that as well. But it takes so much mind space for me that that's all I'm thinking about now is how I'm going to present myself at this next talk, how I'm going to do this at this next uh, at the next interview, how I'm going to present myself on this podcast, and so like, and I can do it well. But it takes so much from me that it it has to kind of take away from somewhere else, which was yeah. you know like family and then lifestyle and then health. <laughs> Training. Yeah, like but how how did you how did you deal with it all? Like how did you handle it all? So I'll I'll tell you um, when I I never said a bad word about any of my opponents until I was fighting Ennis of I got the fight and three weeks before the fight I'm training my ass off. I mean this is like. <clears throat> Obviously, the biggest fight of my life, fighting Anderson Silva. He's known as the greatest of all time. No one has ever beat him, in the UFC at least. And um, I knew I could beat him. And so as I'm getting ready and training, and I'm in the middle of my training camp, I got a call from Dana White. And Dana White calls me, and I answer, and he's like, hey, what's going on, man? I'm like, nothing. What's up? He's like, "Like, whatever happened to that guy that came into the room that day to, with me and Lorenzo Fertitta and was telling me, how you were going to beat Anderson Silva. What happened to that guy? Because I had, I went to Chicago with my manager a few months back before that and basically was asking them to be able to fight Anderson Silva. To fight Anderson Silva at that point was like so hard. Like it wasn't just like you're the number one contender and then you get to fight him. He's looking at super fights. You know, he's looking at, you know, Anderson <laughs> Silva got to fight anybody he wanted. He fought Stefan Bonner at the fight before me, you know, at 205. So... I went in there and I told them like I could be, I could beat him I could finish him I said all the things I thought they would want to hear plus what I believe but like usually it's kind of coming out of myself to like talk like that mm. um, but I said it so now all of a sudden Dana like now we are we had the fight set and um, three weeks before it and he's like yeah where's that guy? like where's that guy basically you're not fucking promoting the fucking fight and ticket sales aren't looking good pay-per-view numbers aren't looking good already no they could kind of speculate based on certain numbers how the pay-per-view is going to do that far out from a fight so i hear this bro and i was i was in my i was in my house and i was it was like it was like fucking i turned like a ghost i was like like i just felt super white and like anxious because this was i'm about to be someone i'm not usually i'm 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 gonna be someone i'm not used to being at all like i'm gonna have to talk trash now I'm like, fuck, I hated this feeling. I was like, why can't I just go out there and fight and win? Like, I, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to beat this guy. Isn't that enough? And it wasn't. So I remember I sent that. I came together. I came up with, like, a tweet. Basically, like, I'm, I don't remember exactly what it was. Basically, like, a little bit of talking shit, how I'm going to beat Anderson Silva and blah, blah, blah. I send it out. And then I copy and paste that. I, I text Dana. I'm like, hey. Just so you know, I just put this out. Hopefully that, you know, that makes you happy. Blah, blah, blah. And there's, there's more to come. And uh, like, oh, thanks. Fuck you. <laughs> but that was the beginning, bro. And then from that, I was like, I had, I mean, I, because I fought Anson Silva once and I beat him, I mean, and then I, I beat him the second time. Both those were great pay-per-views. Even though going to the first fight, I was only making 24000 24000 to fight Anson Silva. And that was like the last fight of my contract. That was it. I could have just been like, oh, I'm, a, I'm on the free market. I'm good after I knocked him out. But mm. And do that but anyway after that all my fights i had to everything my meet my version of talking shit was like i'm gonna i'm gonna finish them guaranteed 
<laughs> I, I even can't. Though, even though I do actually now I reflect back on what I heard you saying before your last fight, how like basically, listen, everything's 50-50. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you said that. And I'm like, as a champion, to hear a champion say that is really hard for a champion to say because the champion's supposed to have the biggest ego of all time. Like, there's no chance of you losing. You know. Yeah. So I actually remember you saying that and like being like, that's freaking impressive. That he can, he's keeping that mindset that's honest because it's true. I mean, you can't argue that if you're if you have any logical sense and you understand this game at all. Like, he makes a lot of sense with that. I mean, yeah. maybe percentages changed a little bit here and there, but like to say that at your given point was like, well, that's fucking impressive because I couldn't say, I, I wasn't saying that, especially when I was champion. I had to be like, oh, this is, I'm better than everybody. I'm dominating everybody. You know what I mean? I can't believe they they um they put that type of pressure on you, fucking three weeks out from the biggest Yo, fight. That's how I felt ever. That's and Dana did say he goes, I don't ever do this. I I don't. I think he might have even said, I've never done this. That's how bad the pay view was doing. And I'm like, fuck. I mean, Anderson Silva's the man. Obviously, now all the pressure's on me. I'm yeah. not. Like, no, no one even knew me. So I'm like, shit. I'm like, I suck. You know, at, at, at this game. You know, that did. That was fucking tough. And 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 I understand the business side too. I'm not trying to. I don't want to come down on Dana. You know, but um, yeah, that's kind of was the beginning of me like having the balls to like talk a little shit i guess yeah. but not I, I mean i never was not conor mcgregor but still it was hard for me to do because i came from such a <clears> humble <throat> background like you know a wrestling background and like you never talk trash well they more so, like, or less not, forced you yeah yeah but and then but then i continued because i knew what was expected and i did understand like the pay-per-views and all that stuff so i did every time i put i put i i I'd say things knowing you'd create a headline and knowing that would, it would be such negative energy. Like I, I remember getting on some interviews and I'd say something that I knew would stick. And I remember like telling my wife, oh, "Don't go on your social media for a while because <laughs> this one, <laughs> this one's gonna be pretty bad." But you know, it's, it comes and goes. You know, the heat comes. They're talking about this one crazy thing that you said or whatever, and then it goes. So I'm like, I we should be able to be like, I guess, stronger than that than that but i don't know it's it's tough you have a a, a bachelor's degree in psych eh? from is it hofstra am i pronouncing that correctly yep you got it you, you hofstra, were yep you were coaching there you were doing what you do you were doing graduate school when you were coaching yeah yep and that yeah, was I, all I finished my i finished my master's but it wasn't um it wasn't in psychology what was it, it in was. it was physical education Oh, I have a, the same. I have physical education as well. I have psychological oh, nice. problems, but not nothing. <laughs> um, but uh, how much are you able to apply from your psych um, background? Uh, uh, I, so, I, I think it ended up being like a blessing in disguise going to school and getting my psych degree, to be honest. Like, I, I did pretty good in school, in, in college, and um, but it was because I just wanted to stay eligible and just have a high GPA, and, you know, if I was going to get a job afterwards, you know, they're going to look at you know, someone having a high GPA. Um, I wasn't super into the psychology like some of my other classmates were. Like, you know, there's, there's things like research methods where you have to, like, you know, get a group of people together and, you know, and, and uh, you know, do all these, you know, analyze them and... You know, do all these, you know, basically do all these different research experiments. And I wasn't like super into it. Um, all the paperwork was a pain in the ass. But <laughs> at the end of the day, when I started like getting, when I started training for the Olympics and wrestling after that, after college, and I started getting into MMA, and I 
I started using that psychology I learned, just like the just the winner's mindset, being positive and, and confident, working hard because that's really going to give you the confidence to believe that you deserve to win. And uh, yeah, so I think it ended up helping a lot without me even realizing it. You know, you're the, I don't know if that's not the, not the greatest answer. No, no, but you went you went again. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Is it Nassau Community College? How do you pronounce? Oh, so. Yeah, Nassau Community College. Say, can you say it again so I don't... Uh, Nassau. 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 Australian accent and my New York accent. <laughs> you guys had Matt Saron? Yeah. This is great. I'm way easier to understand than him. Yeah. <laughs> so you went, you went to... I don't know if this is correct or not, but I, I think it is. You went to Nassau Community College, and yeah. you, were, you were the first ever uh, junior college New York State champion of collegiate wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Which yep. is a pretty big deal. Uh, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. It's a cool thing to have. I mean... Uh, but you were the first so person to ever do it. I was the first person to ever do that. That is true. And so it can't be that like, easy. It's not that easy, but the tournament actually wasn't that good. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, it had some deep one guys in it. This is one um, of those so times you don't have to be honest, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm the king of the world. <laughs> New York State champion, junior college. I'm the first one to ever do it. Yeah. But, but, but um, you, you were saying, yeah, like, so the, 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 there were some Division One guys, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there was Division One guys there and stuff. And, um, but, yeah, it wasn't like, so the New York State championship is basically all the colleges inside New York. Um, any, any college that has wrestling inside New York would send their guys there for years, like Cornell, Hofstra. Uh, Binghamton, like some, those are some good schools in New York as far as wrestling. But um, that year, it wasn't that good, and a couple of years before that, it still wasn't that good. So um, I was, I was the first ever to do it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the craziest thing. Like I had some backups from some D1 schools and stuff, and and some, and a starter from Army West Point was there. Uh, it, that wasn't the craziest tournament I've been in, but it was cool to be the first one for NASA Community College. But you went on, you were two times All-American. I think you placed third as a senior. Is that correct? Yeah, so my credentials in wrestling, when I went to, so I went to NASA Community College because I was terrible in high school as far as academically. So I couldn't go and wrestle Division One, even though I had some offers. I had a full scholarship offer from, from a couple of different places, but I couldn't, I couldn't go. Um, so I had to go to a community college for two years. And when I, I was at the community college, I was uh, All-American both years I was there, academically as well. Because I, you had to do good in school when you're at, at a junior college if you're going to go to like a legit college afterwards. So I stepped my game up academically. And then I went to Hofstra, which was a, a, at the time a top 10 program, top 10 Division one program. Uh, and then I was a two-time All-American there. You went on to wrestle um, freestyle. All-American. Guys, even know what all American is actually because top top eight finish, eh? Yeah. So it's top eight. Um, so when I was in junior college, it was the top eight best um, junior college kids. I was, you know, took third twice there, and then in, and then Division one, I, I was, I took uh, six, which I injured defaulted to, and then I took a third my senior year. But you you went on to trial for the Olympic team, eh? Like you you were trying to get into the U.S. Olympic team, which is that's a really big deal. Yeah. So you were at that level where you were like, okay, I'm going to try to get to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. So <laughs> it was ended up be, being the 2008 Olympic year. So it was the, it was an Olympic year, which is all the best guys are going to try out. And um, 
I mean, I was doing really good in some of the open tournaments and some international tournaments. Um, what international tournaments did you do? I, I took second in this Canadian one, which they had they had good guys from every, everywhere over there. I did the Schultz tournament in Colorado, which had Ru Russian dudes, and that's one of the better tournaments. Um, I didn't go to, like, Russia or anything like that um, during that year. But I ended up getting injured before the Olympic trials. So that was it. There was my dreams. And that's kind of when I decided to get into MMA because, you know, obviously – that was 2008, and I'm not going to make that team. Now it was like, do I just stick around and do the 2000, you know, do the world teams in between until the 2012 Olympics, or do I try MMA? And that's kind of what what I decided to do because I was making like $12,000 a year as an assistant coach at Hofstra. I was get, I just was finishing up my master's degree, and it was kind of like, and I was living in my parents' basement. I just had a baby, and life was kind of getting crazy, and you started feeling like, wow, I'm I'm that loser living in my parents' basement with a baby, and I have, uh, like, I got no money, you know. So MMA, I saw all these wrestlers doing really good. I kind of, like, grew up fighting. I had an older brother that beat the crap of, beat the crap out of me all the time. So it led me to believe that, like, I'm tough and I could do it. And that's kind of what I just decided to do it. <laughs> I like how his measuring <laughs> stick for being tough was his older brother beating him up. But, but I, I um, you know, uh, your mate, uh, Jan Vellante? A couple of times when he's fought on the same card as Rob, I've run, I've talked to him and that. Like I've run into him. He's a, he's a really good guy. That guy. Oh yeah, he's a character. Yeah. Talk about life at the party. Well, it takes no energy for him. Well, he seems like it, eh? Because like yeah. I, I didn't really know him. Like I, I didn't know him. I grew up in Sydney. Grew up in New York, and we bumped into each other at the thing, and we started talking and that. And he was telling me your brother was like a big football player. Is yeah. is that is that right, or did I remember oh, it wrong? You got inside information on my brother. You, you're pretty good. No one knows anything. You are good. Oh, uh, yeah, sh you should I stop that? Like, should I not? No, no, no. It's good. No, you're fine. No, yeah. no. I'm just, it's funny. Like after all, like no one brings it up. Um, yeah. But is he a giant uh, yeah, ringer? Is he a giant yeah, redhead? Yeah, yeah. Like a what? Redhead. He is. Is that he, what he told you? No, I think I saw it somewhere or something. Oh yeah. Oh, he, in my, in my he, head, your brother is a big, giant, red-headed guy. I don't know if he pretty is. Pretty much. You're, yeah. you're on the money. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's a big redhead. Yeah, like growing up, like he was, you know, 255 pounds and could run like a four, four or five forty. He ran in the combine, which is I don't know if you, I don't know if that even means anything to you, but he could bench Fast. press 225 pounds 38 times. I mean, he was he was a beast. I was like the unathletic like not as talented younger brother my whole life so i think i was always just trying to find my way underneath him i think is kind of what led me that like motivate me throughout my years what did he do did he play football yeah, yeah. so he was a uh, three-time college all-american in football his senior year right before like his senior year he's going for he was definitely going to nfl you know who knows how he would have done but his last his last play of his senior year, um, he was in on a sack and he took the quarterback down. He got up to celebrate. As he got up to celebrate, one of his own teammates tried to jump in and get like a half a sack, you know, on the stats. And when he jumped on the quarterback, he rolled into my brother's knee and every single ligament and tendon or whatever got busted. And um, he needed a surgery, and which he had a get everything replaced in his knee and then after the surgery i guess they had left a piece of bone inside of his kneecap and it dug a hole into his knee 
while he was training now like crazy. He got in crazy shape. His knee started swelling up, and he went back to the doctor, and they realized that. Like they left, they left a little bone in there, and then his he he still limps. Like he he never played another another game. He never played like anything athletic again in his life. So he went from being like a badass, super athletic, like going to the NFL, to like a born again Christian. He was very angry and like like scary motherfucker. To now he's like born again Christian, like the complete opposite of what everybody knew him at that time. So which so, is crazy. It's good for him, but yeah. So Chris, who who were you growing up? Because I'll, I'll get kind of talk about like who like you. I think. You got you got a sister that's married to like Stephen Thompson's brother or something, yeah. Is that yeah. right? And so it's just yeah, yeah. your sister, your brother, you yep. and your folks. Mm-hmm. And so who who were you growing up? Like when you went to school? Like say if we went to high school with you, who who were you? You would know me as Charlie's little bro- Charlie's little brother. That would be first because he was like the man, you know, the most, you know. How much older senior. than how much older than he, you is he? So he he was a senior when I was a freshman. So four years. Uh, he was yeah yeah three four years older uh depending on you know time of the year but um yeah you know me as charlie's little brother everyone was scared of him in my town and so really in the whole town oh bro he's he was yeah because he wasn't just like this athlete that was big and strong he was he was very mean he was very loyal to his friends like if someone did something to his friends he's there to kill somebody like he was we kind of grew up like in a pretty tough town I was, like people think it's stuff i don't think it's that bad but people like from long island where i'm from they're like oh you from baldwin you know like one of those you know so he was kind of like that guy um yeah so you probably know me as like charlie's little brother i was i mean i played every sport i played i played football i, I was good i wasn't my brother but I played football i wrestled and i did you know uh, lacrosse uh, i played basketball you know hockey when i was younger um but I love, I think I just, I love anything physical. Anything like where you got to like, you know, that's why I love football. Football is great. Did your brother uh, wrestle? My brother wrestled his senior year and he did really well. He took third in the county and like went to the nationals and he was really good, but he had no idea what he was doing. He just tried to tackle people. He'd walk around, he would walk around the wrestling tournaments with a dog bone in his mouth. <laughs> just this giant, like athletic guy. Yeah, he was I, like he was something else. Wait, wait, wait. wait look, what do you mean with a dog bone? Like a, like a, like like this, like a like a dog would put in his, like a literally like a a dog bone, like what you imagine a dog bone being in his mouth, walking around like he's a dog. My brother was crazy. My brother's crazy. Like the world is better off him how he is now. And, and when when you say, but but see, now you know. I hear people say I got beat up off their brother right? but Rob's got a younger brother Stephen two years younger yeah. but there's a big difference physically between Rob and his brother now and I imagine there would have been when you were say 17 and 15 yeah right but with you and your brother your brother you and your brother sounds like there was a massive difference and, yeah and so if, if, did he actually beat you up or did he just throw you around oh no he beat the, beat the crap out like, of me it was bad like oh, proper no. beat you up I got I got oh Oh yeah, beat the crap out of me. At one point, I have a scar right here. I don't know if you're gonna be able to see it, but whatever. Yeah, there's a scar right here. When I was six or seven years old, I was in my basement. And he asked me to get him a cookie, 
and he had a 10-pound weight over in his hand. And he was like, get me a cookie now. I'm like, no. And I'm like curled up in a bowl. And he takes the weight and just throws it on my head, splits my head open, like down to the skull. And my mom had to bring me to the hospital. My mom fainted because the doctor stuck his finger inside my head and was feeling around to see if he felt a fracture. And was like, oh, no, no fracture. And my mom just dropped. Um, <laughs> what, what do you yeah. mean? He sho- what do you mean he shoved a finger in your head? He to stuck see his if- finger in the cut it, that was here. Is that, was is that medical practice? <laughs> New York's best. New York's <laughs> finest. Um, That's who leads the free world. Yeah. I'm going to go start going through all my stories. I, I, mean, I got some of them. See, I had one glass. So that's going to take. Um, there was one time I was, we were, we were doing, like, jumping, jumping, uh, jumping jumps or whatever, like doubles. And you have, like, the BMX bikes and stuff like that on the dirt jumps. And um, I ended up, like, they, they wanted me to test out one of the jumps they made. So they had me do it. This, it was, like, the scary they is he, your brother's friends, I take it. My brother and his friends, yes. They're old. So you were, the, you were the crash test on me. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess I know. So I'm going. I go off the side. I end up doing like a front flip, landing on my shoulder. My shoulder completely dislocates my, my not my shoulder, my uh, my collarbone. Dislocates my bones like this. I didn't know at the time, but I'm now I'm crying. I'm up. I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, my shoulder. My brother and them are laughing at me. He lines us, all of his friends up. Everybody gets to punch my brother for being a pussy. You know, I'm not going to say the word, but like being a pussy. Everyone gets to punch him in the arm. So I'm standing there. They line up. Everyone's like, boom, just giving me dead arms on the shoulder that I'm crying about. Boom, boom, boom. I'm just like in shock. I'm just taking it. I take my bike in my left arm. I have to walk all the way home. I go lay on my couch. I wait like five hours until my mom comes home from work. And I'm laying on the couch and my mom comes in. She's like... Are you okay? And I'm like, I couldn't even talk. My, any type of vibration in my, like, I, it was terrible. It was so, AC yeah, joint A. Not, like the, not the AC joint. No, the, this, I actually still have the crazy bump here. And you know the collarbone right here. Yeah. Oh, the, the sternoclavicular joint. There. Here? Yes, the, yeah. This, this bone right here snapped in two. Oh, it, oh so it didn't dislocate. It broke. Busted. No, it broke in half. Broken half. No <laughs> dislocation. Completely broken half. And I'm getting punched by these dudes like that. Mate, I, I laughed when you said your measuring stick was your older brother. Yeah, like it wasn't you clear. Are, you are way tougher than I am yeah. to have no. your collarbone in half and then line up for the dead arms. No way. <laughs> oh, no, dude. I mean, like, he, would, he would make me fight his friends that were like way bigger. And I'd be like, I just have to tough through and just get my ass beat and just keep trying to throw throw hands he'd put it you was, into like cockfights <laughs> what was <laughs> was he doing that out of like a tough love or was he just mad don't say that i said that to him please because i don't <laughs> want him to fucking be pissed off at me i'm scared that you even asked me that question i don't want if he i'm scared of him still um but i don't know I don't know. I think he was like some like my parents are great parents, like super loving, and like my sister and me, I think we turned out really good, and my brother too now. But like his first grade teacher, he meets her name is Mrs. Berger. So they line up every every one of the little kids go in, they shake the new teacher's hands. Hi, my name is Mrs. Berger, and hi, my name is Charlie Weidman. It's his turn. He gets up to the line, and she introduces herself as Mrs. Berger. He takes her hand and goes, mmm, burger, <laughs> bites her freaking hand. I just feel like some people are born differently. Like some people have yeah. different like g- genetic code in their brain. You know, Was he uh, protective of you, Chris? Yes. So <clears throat> sometimes. Uh, if it was serious, yes. So there was one time 
I was these dudes try to steal my bike in my neighborhood. Like they were the part of the Crips. Like I, you guys ever hear of the Crips? You got the Bloods. You got the Crips. Yes. Yeah, you ever hear that? Yeah, we've heard it's of them. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you don't know, deal with it, but it was like these gang of kids. At least they thought they were Crips, and um, they were trying to they were trying to steal my bike, and I'm like standing up for myself. Um, and basically, I threatened them that my brother would beat their all their asses if they touch me or they steal my bike. And they're like, "What? Who the fuck you think you are? Who do you think your brother is?" Next day, I know it. I literally bring him to my house. I'm like, "Oh yeah, you think I'm playing?" And I bring him to my house, and <laughs> no one, no one besides my brother. I knock on the door. I get my, I open up the door. I'm like, "Yo, Charlie, I need you to come outside for a second. Like these guys will." How old were you? Crips. I might have been like, I don't know, ten. He might have been like thirteen. He comes outside with a bow and arrow. He's <laughs> got a freaking problem with my brother, and these dudes just start skedaddling out. They're out. They so he did, like, three times. Like, he had, like, an arsenal of, like, knives and machetes and, like, weird shit like that and, like, bow and arrows. He never got locked and, up, Chris? No, he did. He went to jail a couple times. Um... Not nothing like long term, but he, I know he was in jail for, in Florida for a while. We learned a lot from him over the years, like of things that we didn't even know about. But yeah, he. Um, what was he, he doing in Florida? Times. Actually, I don't even know what he was doing there. Something. Who knows? It's 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 great to hear that he's in a good place now, though. <laughs> he's in a, he is in a good place now. Yeah. We should have a yeah. podcast just about Charlie Wadden. <laughs> we I should. I, you're making me tense, guys. I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about this anymore. Um, we didn't think it was going to go down that rabbit hole. All I asked was... <laughs> no, no, Volante, no, Volante didn't bring that up to you. No, yeah, he, he didn't was. say any of that. He just said Chris's brother is a, was a big football player. And um, I've read into Valance so many times. He's a good years. guy. Yeah. He's a top bloke. And yeah. you know what's funny? He's the sort of guy that, you know, fight week, everybody's cutting weight, everybody wants to be left alone, everybody's down, but he's still up. He's still up walking around, like having a party. <laughs> he is a, he's a big pain in the ass, that kid. <laughs> you know, like, I can't get him to take anything serious. Like, he's all fun and games. When you guys are all hanging out with him, it's all fun and games. But if you... Like, actually want to do a workout at, like, 10 a.m. And he's like, bro, I'm not getting up at 10 a.m. You're freaking crazy. <laughs> crazy. Like, who gets up that early? Like, and, and I'm like, bro, can you grow up? This is what we do for a living. Can we freaking get a lift in at 10 a.m.? He just, things like that, he's a pain in the ass. But he's, he is a great guy. He actually has a kid. He's having a kid soon, like, within, oh. like, the next month. Oh, congratulations. He's, already, he's changing a lot over time. Like, I mean, he's been single forever, so this is like finally he's settling down. It seems like, and he's got a baby. He's, he finally has like a responsibility in his life. You know, he has to actually pay a bill. And you grew so. up together, you and him. Yeah, so we actually wrestled together. Um, we were well. The first time I met him, we were in the same weight class, and we ended up wrestling in the finals of a tournament. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I remember the first time I ever even seen him was. He was in the semi. I had already won my semifinal match, so now I'm in the finals. So now I'm going to look at the guy who's wrestling in the semifinals on the other side of the bracket, who I could potentially be wrestling in the finals. So I remember watching him, and this dude, he's beating this, he's beating this one kid up. Like he's throwing him off the mat. He's laughing at him. He's like talking <laughs> trash, and I'm like, this is the guy I'm wrestling next. I'm like, this guy. Like it just, yeah. So that's why I wrestle next, and I killed him. I beat him 14 to do. 14 to 2. And we always we bring this up all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, trust me, he, if he was on this podcast right now, he'd have like three things to like counter that with. But 
I beat him 14 to two. And at one point, I'm like tilting him to his back, and he's just laughing at his coaches. Like the kid is just like a happy-go-lucky kid, no matter what. He's not super competitive. Like I'm like very competitive. I I want to win so bad. So like makes me tight. Nothing bothers him. Like he doesn't get really like anxious. He just does he get nervous before a fight? Like like other people? <clears throat> he does, but I don't think at like to the extent that like normal people get nervous at. Did uh, you know? He he fought on the same card you fought Uriah Hall, right? And um, he he got a win over Anthony Parosh, I think it was that fight. And he, he I think he I th- he stopped Anthony, you know, who's owns a yeah. school up the road. So it was on, it was on that card. And um, I'd been talking to him earlier, and then you were about to—I don't—you won't remember it, I don't think. But he was a bit like so he—he he just won by TKO, and he was, John was just walking around at the back, but he was about you know when you, basically behind the black curtain, about to go out, and John was there walking around, and he goes up to Rob and he goes, "Hey, listen," he goes, "I know you're a you're a good striker, your eye is a good striker." And he goes, "Don't his don't have a his fight a long drawn out fight." Um, yes, because I want the bonus, right? <laughs> and, and I don't know if well, you remember. Do you remember that? This is like he's about to walk. He's about to walk out. That is rude. <laughs> but 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 he wasn't. He didn't come. Like he, it wasn't even like um, he didn't come across as rude or mean or anything. He just came across exactly how he is. You know what I mean? And I was just watching him, and I was thinking, like, he, he that, that guy does not feel like the same thing as other people. Like, no, but not <laughs> yeah. in a bad way. Like, he he seems like a good dude. You know, there's people that are rude. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you even no, remember it. No, if it was rude, I would have remembered it. Like he, yeah, no, no, it wasn't rude. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> such an out there thing to do. Well, I would like it's self awareness. Like, if someone's about to go out and fight, I'm not talking to him. Like, yo, don't steal the bonus from me, bro. Please. Don't <laughs> <laughs> out fight. Make it boring. You'd be like, I'm about to fight in the zone. But so how, how's he doing? What's his next fight? Because he's a, he's a champion. I always go for him. Yeah, he's uh, he's going up in weight because the guy. So for my last training camp, um, right like three weeks before the fight, he comes in. He's about to spar with me, and I'm like, "Bro, how much do you weigh?" He's like, "Ah, I like two thirty-five." I'm like, "Yo, let's go to the scale right now." <laughs> yeah. two, two hundred and fifty-eight pounds. I'm like, "Yo, like this is a whole nother level of lying." He's like, "Bro, I'm wearing freaking, I'm wearing like big underwear." I'm like, <laughs> "Twenty pound underwear." Twenty pound underwear. Yeah, no, so uh, sounds like a, a train partner. He's actually going to go heavyweight. We're breaking the news now. Oh, Robert, nice! Robert Excellent. Robert Whitaker's podcast. It's <laughs> going to go heavyweight. Any any potential? Well, he's always been a huge guy. Yeah, he's so a big guy. Like, you can see that. You can see like yeah. it's not. It's not like wow. Why is he doing that? He's a massive guy. He is a big dude, bro. He is a big dude. Is there uh, anyone that that he's fighting? Like, do you know anyone that you might be fighting? No, um, he he had me look at like. He asked me to, like, yo, who do you think I should fight next? Because usually he just, like, tells the matchmaker who he wants to fight. It kind of just happens, which I've never done before. It's just always, like, they just throw somebody at me, and it, that's how it usually works. But um, he was like, yo, it doesn't have to be anybody in the top 15 or anything. Because I was like, let's look at the UFC rankings. He's like, ah, it doesn't have to be anybody, you know, top 15. You know, anything after that is fine, too. I'm like, I don't know how to find guys after that. Like, <laughs> 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 he just don't give a shit. He just... A different breed, different breed of guy. Like I feel like we all need a little piece of that, but not the full thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you? What were your parents like? What would you? What did your parents do? Uh, my parents, my so my dad owned a uh, a, a business for a long time. That did he play football? Your dad? 
No, my dad, my dad didn't really do anything. He grew up in the city in Queens at a time where like I, sports weren't wasn't like a thing. He did wrestle for like maybe one year in high school. They had a wrestling program, but I don't know what he he didn't really do. No, nah, he didn't really do that many sports. Um, he did like. I mean, like, recreational stuff he did, but he wasn't, like, you know, into anything serious. Um, yeah, but my dad, he owned a business um, that repaired stars and alternators for a really long time. And now he works for, he sold that, and now he works for, like, one of his competitors, uh, one of his old competitors, just kind of, like, doing a salesman stuff, so less hours, you know, like a normal type of job, and he, he's happy with that. Uh, my mom, she works for the county as, like, an accounting assistant, accounting assistant. Which, uh, yeah, she started doing that when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. How, how did you start wrestling? Did your dad put you in wrestling, or? Yeah, so the first time I wrestled was I was in second grade, and uh, you weren't allowed to wrestle until third grade. But Charlie, my parents brought Charlie to wrestle, and uh, because I was there with them, they asked if I could go and, and try to do it as well. Um, and so the, the coach had he coached let me do it, even though I was young. That was my first time wrestling, second grade. And that was like twice a week in my local town, you know, for the wrestling season. And then I did one tournament that year, and I won, and I loved it. But then um, they stopped the kids' wrestling program. They, they didn't. I, I don't know why they didn't have it anymore, but they didn't. And so I started wrestling again really in like seventh grade. Hmm. You, you know, I think I heard you say some uh, time before that uh, – you felt that you never really put in all your effort to fulfill your talents in wrestling. And what mistakes did you, or mistakes, or what lessons did you learn that you were able to apply to MMA? Is that correct? Yeah. Did you say that or did I? Oh, yeah. No, no. 100%. I did. Um, yeah, I was kind of always like the, I mean, I always was like known as like talented. I, I would, I would. You know, beat a lot of good guys, but I'd also like lose to crappy guys. Um, the guys that not I wouldn't say crappy, but guys that I I'm like definitely way more talented than uh, because I wasn't really I wouldn't work that hard in the room. Like I would be in the back with one of my partners, like grown up. You know, I'd just we'd be like tickling each other, messing with each other, talking trash, and just having fun. I wasn't taking it serious, you know. And, but when I went, it was time to go live, like which is like you know when you actually like go for real. I loved it. I loved live, but the drilling aspects of stuff and like preparation, I just had zero interest in. I just had no attention span for that at all. Um, and because of that, I, I never really accomplished my goals in wrestling. You know, I became a four-time college All-American. I became, you know, you know, New York State champion in, in high school as well, and all multiple-time All-American in high school too. But I never became a national champion, and that was always my goal. Um, and it, I think the big reason why I didn't accomplish that is because I, I didn't really, I was never that hard worker, like, who was doing the extra work and, like, drilling and, you know, thinking things through. I was just kind of like the guy who could go in there and beat anybody any given day, but I could also lose to anybody any given day. Like, my junior year uh, at, in Division One, my first year, I, I wrestled so bad during the year. I, I lost to such terrible dudes over and over again. And I was unseated going to the national tournament. And the number one seed that year was a guy named Wynn Maholik. And that guy dominated everybody. He was undefeated. He beat Jake Rochel, who actually did MMA. He was yeah, a yeah. national champion. He beat him like two or three times during the year. 
he smoked everybody. Everybody thought he was going to win the tournament. Here comes Chris Weidman, like an unknown dude, um, second match, and I completely smoked Win Maholic. Like he, he didn't, he dominated everybody all year. I lost the scrubs all year, and I just, I kill him. And um, and that was the same tournament I fought. I, I went against Ryan Bader the next match, um, and I beat him, and then I ended up eventually losing in the semifinals, and then whatever. But yeah, so I was the guy who could always like beat the best guy, but also lose to like the Joe Schmo. Uh, and I think a lot was to do with like I just wasn't really preparing the right way, and I didn't work really hard. Yeah. So when I got to MMA, I'm like, you know what? This is my last shot at doing anything athletic. Um, you know, I had a baby on the way. I'm like, I need to do everything right. I seen all these role models around me that were always doing the right thing, not as much talent, and they were more successful than me. So I was like, you know what, if I just start trying to be like more like them, things would work out. And that's kind of what really helped me accomplish my goals in MMA was because I just, I started just, instead of being that kid who was like athletic, it was, I'm the hardest worker in the room. And I had to kind of like fake it till I made it. I remember like going to Ray's gym and match gym and just like, I didn't want to be like the wrestler who's talented. I wanted to be just that blue collar, hardcore, hard nosed wrestler that just like works super hard and is the first one to show up, last one to leave. And I did that for a while and it kind of became a habit. And then it became expected of me to be that guy. And then I just stopped losing and I started winning. <laughs> it worked out. You, because you did uh, after you started training there. I guess one of them is a question. It's going. This is going to lead into a question. But you went. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you were, you were coaching in Hofstra, and then you went and you started working out. Started doing grappling. You went to Grappler's Quest. You won the ADCC trials in the US, and then you lost to Galvao in the quarterfinals of ADCC, and yeah. then you went to MMA. Or was no. this concurrent? No, no. So you you have all those things happen, but like in different time times um so i did jujitsu so I, I had to get my wife on board that i wasn't gonna become a phys ed teacher and i was like, gonna ask you that how did how did you say to your wife hey um you know the whole thing with the basement with the parents and that i am now gonna go and fight fight for a living <laughs> five hundred dollars well, to show <laughs> I so what ended up happening is i, I started doing jujitsu and we had no money at the time. And I went down to Matt Sarah's and it was like 159 a month. And at that time I had no money at all. So I had to like just work and do, I forgot what I was doing. I think landscaping and working for some guy doing like, he was like almost like I was like an assistant to just come up with the cash to pay that monthly off. And I was going to do it for the summer. And I wasn't really even talking to my, my girl about it because I didn't want her thinking I was going to go into fighting. I was just letting her think, I just made her think it was like cross training for wrestling. <laughs> so I started doing jujitsu, and uh, after three months of doing it, they had this uh, this grappler's quest, like a big one happened to be, where you could actually win money if you do the absolute division. So I I did my weight class and I won, which was like 120 bucks. I won the thing, and then you had the option of paying another 120 bucks to become like to go into the absolute division, which is like every weight class combined. If you win that, you could win a championship belt, two thousand dollar clothing sponsorship, a thousand dollars cash. And so I'm like, fuck, if I win this, fucking crazy. So I end up winning. $1,000 cash. I, <laughs> I, submit, I submit everybody. And, I'm like, and I win the money. And I'm like, holy shit, I fell in love. And then basically I use that as leverage with my wife. Like, listen, if I do this every month, just the grappling, like I'm making more money than I do at Hofstra right now coaching. And then if I start getting into this fighting, like 
I could like they they think I have like a really good chance of doing something good in that. Like I could end up making like real money. And so that was kind of the argument and it wasn't easy. I had to there was a lot of things I had to do to get through. Like I had the Longo was a big part of that. He ended up basically giving me a job as a coach a wrestling coach at his school to where I could make some extra money and I I just had to make sure I was like making money doing it and she was cool and she didn't want me coming home with a black eye. That was kind of the deal. So I found ways to do it. And um, yeah, so I did that tournament and then I won it. And now I'm like, all right, I got to learn my striking. So I went to Longo, got the okay by the wife. Six months later, I had my first pro fight. That was it. And then so I I went two fights in a row very, very quick. And then my hands, which yeah, this thing, is, I, I think I'm slouching now. That's what's happening. Hang on one second. Yeah, so after two fights, really quick fights, so within a year of fighting, I already had two MMA fights, pro fights, both stoppages, and then my hands started, from punching so much, uh, my bones started kind of spurring up, like, they, the bones started, like, coming up like this, and the bones started, like, cracking up top. I had to get a surgery. There was no other way to do it. It was the most painful thing ever. So after that surgery uh, is when I ended up doing the Dabi Dabi stuff. Right, right. So I, I had that surgery done. I still couldn't punch. I was like, I could wrap my hand and grapple. So that's kind of what I did. And so I, I went to the Abu Dhabi trials. I won. I submitted the guy in the finals. And then I went to the Abu Dhabis. And uh, next thing I know, I was, against, I was going against Andre Galval. And at that time, I was like very like hard-headed. I didn't want to watch any footage on anybody. I didn't want to like hear about how good anybody i'm gonna face face this so i didn't i knew he was i didn't know he was a seven-time world champion but i didn't give a shit like i'm like i'm gonna smoke this guy just i was in really good shape and just pressure and i believed in my chokes and i just remember going after him like crazy but i remember that so the first like 15 seconds of andre galval or first like 30 seconds of andre galval he sits right down to his guard i'm like all right here we go i'm jumping in i wasn't gonna play scared so i jumped in i was gonna do like the wrestling thing I jump in, I go to try to pass, next thing I know it, he throws an omoplata up, turns it to an arm bar, goes for a triangle, goes back to an arm bar, and my arm's like cracking, I pull out, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's good. I stand back up, I look at him, I'm like, this guy is that level. I already had won one match before in Abu Dhabi, but I killed the guy and he wasn't that good. But this guy is what, this, is, this dude is fucking good. <laughs> this is all the level. I'm like, this guy, what he just did to me is freaking scary. But I'm like, I have, I have two choices. It's either I just play the wrestling game and stay away and show fear and be a little bitch. Or I just fucking go after this guy. And I just went after him. And I had like all different types of chokes locked up. And I didn't finish him. We went to double overtime. He ended up like getting a sweep or something. And if I would have known the rules, he doesn't beat me. I'll tell you that. I, I, we were in double overtime and we're on our feet. If I would have just took him down, I would have went. I, it's like game over. He's not allowed to sit the guard or he loses a point. I didn't know any of this. So what ended up happening is we're starting double overtime. He goes down to his knees and I go right down and pull him to front headlock. Because I do that, like it doesn't count as like a takedown. I go to try to spin behind him. He, he like, goes back to recover his guard, like, does the forward roll thing, ends up be going into guard, and now I'm trying to pass guard and shit. Now, because of that, it doesn't. there's no takedowns. It doesn't matter anymore. Now yeah. it's just even. He ended up, like, sweeping me or something for a second. He ended up winning in double overtime. But that was, like, a great experience. Um, it made me, like, be confident, like, dealing with any, like, really good jiu-jitsu guy. Um, 
Yeah, and then basically, next fight was Uriah Hall. Uh, my next fight was Uriah Hall. And you knocked him out in uh, is it Ring of Combat? Is that what it yeah, is? Ring of Combat. Yeah, is, is that a big hand. show there? Is that a big show in, in the... Yeah, in, it was in the only... It, it's pretty big, yeah. It's, uh, it's So it's in New Jersey because for the longest, New York was not legalized. So it's always in Atlantic City. Uh, but Lou Neglia does a great job. All the guys from my gym, that's where they fight, like coming up. Um, and um, leading into that fight with Uriah Hall, he had, he was undefeated, I was undefeated. He had so much hype behind him, and I had hype behind me. And it was like, it was like, you know, two top prospects are meeting up, and the winner is going to go to the UFC. And at the time, like, my hand, this hand was not healing. Like, I still couldn't punch. But I'm like, I need to make money. I need to just go. I don't know if it's ever going to heal. Um, so I, like, even through that whole camp, I couldn't punch with my right hand. So I did a lot of left hook stuff. And uh, I figured I was just going to take him down. And in that fight, I ended up knocking him out the left hook, which ended up being the same left hook that knocked out in itself, like a long, a long left hook, a lot looping left hook, kind of like us just, um, Yeah. I feel weird. I feel weird. I'm the only one talking. Over. I got Robert Whitaker over here. I feel like I got to ask you questions. No, no, no. I'm, well, you're, you're our guest on this. <laughs> you're our guest, and I'm invested I feel, in you. I feel, I feel selfish right now. <laughs> no, no I, we I, do it every week. Yeah. I'm invested right. in your, in your stories. It's so interesting. I feel, like like, a, I feel, I feel terrible even talking like this. No, you're you're such a such a background in in, in combat in the jujitsu world, and the the jujitsu stories were good. Were good. Like I've uh, seen that match and and uh, the Andre Gaval match. I'd seen it, and um, I remember I bet my friend Theo, the Minoan Bull. If you're watching, which he's not, but if he was, I made money on you. Not a lot of money because we didn't have a lot of money back then. But um, I, I said, now nah, this Weidman's going to beat Damien Maya. And I'm a huge Damien Maya fan, but I'd seen the the Andrew uh, Andre Gaval fight, and I felt you're probably a little bit bigger. Stand-up-wise, I didn't think Damien was going to get you. And I thought you'd be able to use your wrestling and your grappling. But that was a shit weight cut for you. I wouldn't have bet on me if I was you. That I was going to say, after I, I heard about the weight I cut, I almost lost 50 bucks, which was a lot of money for me. <laughs> what was that like? That fight was a nightmare, bro. That was... I, I Like, Damien Maya, I love Damien Maya. Especially like, to see him over the years now, how he's progressed and stayed true to himself. Like, I love that guy. Um... But yeah, that fight was like my way in. <laughs> I I owed like taxes for the first time, and I'm like, shit, I need money. And I got a call from Joe Silva, who was a matchmaker at the time, or my man my manager did, and they were basically like, um, you know, can you fight on ten days? Can you fight in ten days against Damian Maya? And I'm like, fuck. And at that time, I don't know if it's any. I feel like it's a little harder. Uh, it was a little harder then to like fight guys in the top five. Like it was hard to get in there. And he was ranked fifth at the time. And I was. I don't know if I was ranked top ten. I don't. I'm not even. Not even sure. But I was like, this is my way in to like possibly fighting for a title. You know, or to fight a top five guy. But I was 200. I checked my weight. I'm like 217 pounds. I'm like ten days, so I tell my manager, "That's I'm like, a All lot. Right. That's a lot." I call, I call Longo. He's like, "Listen, if you're confident, if you think you you could beat him, then I, anything you like, uh, then I'm with you. Let's do it." So I call my manager. I'm like, "Yo, can you?" Uh, and that was before I ate dinner that night. I check my weight, then I eat dinner, then we go through the phone calls, and I'm like, "Is it? Can we do a check? Can we do a a, a, 
uh, a catch weight. A, a catch weight. Can we do a catch weight? You know, I'm taking on such short notice. Joe Silver goes, no, we'll find someone else if you're not interested. Oh, so I'm like, ah. shit. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. The next day, and I, and this is like that stuff. I feel bad just going on and on in stories because it's just too much. But now, um, please do. That's a the, the, the point <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, I guess Let's so. go. I guess hit us, man. I hate I hate talking about myself this much. But uh, my my uncle, who I was very close with, ended up passing away. He 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 had a lot, a lot of pain and stuff. You know, he was in Vietnam War. He had a lot of like degenerative arthritis and stuff going on, and he ended up like falling down a flight his flight of stairs in the middle of the, in the middle of the night and his wife didn't hear him he fell his head on the door and he was stuck there yeah, that's fucking awful so, so nobody knew nobody knew so we got the call in the morning and i lived very close to him so we we rush over he's rushed to the ambulance he ends up dying we're cleaning up his blood because nobody does that by the way i don't know if in australia someone does that but in america <laughs> and in new york you got to clean up your own family member's blood. And I'm talking, it was blood everywhere. It was like, it was a murder scene. Me, his daughter, my dad. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're cleaning clean up his blood off, his, off the tiles. It was fucking terrible. Then me and my dad go to the hospital. Me and my dad were the ones that pronounced him dead. Like, you know, his forehead shattered. Freaking nightmare. So we do all the burial services and everything like that. During this whole time, I'm like, I have to go to Chicago and like, three days at this point i gotta learn i gotta lose all this weight i was probably like 221 honestly after like you know eat my my dinner and drink my water or whatever i'm probably like 221 i gotta cut all that weight to go 185 with all this on my mind and no one gave a shit about my story at that point like if i was champion everyone would be talking about my uncle and i can't believe it no one gave a shit and I, I'm not telling the UFC. There's no, like, I'm not looking for anybody to feel bad for me, but I'm just like, this is crazy. So we ended up doing it, and we get to the fights. And I remember getting down to, like, so anyway, my whole uncle thing was very hard on me, obviously. And then we get to Chicago, and I get down to, like, uh, like 188, and the weight just stopped coming off. Like, I was in the sauna. I remember I... Like to go into the sauna for like five minutes was a night. I just couldn't do it. Every time I every time I got up, I was blacking out. My friends they they were holding me, walking out, walking in. I was completely blacking out every single time I stood up. And I'm like, put me back in. We just gotta keep doing it. We got to keep doing. It. We went from the towels to the sauna. I mean, I I like that was the closest to death I think I've ever been to this day was trying to make weight for that fight. Somehow, I get my weight low enough. We get to the arena to, to do the weigh-ins. And I remember Longo telling me, yo, Chris, like he knew how bad I was struggling. He was like, I couldn't talk. My voice wasn't working because I had no fluid in my, my mouth or my throat. He's like, Chris, you're going to have to know like your name and your birthday. You know, they're going to ask you questions. Like you have to, you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be able to do that. I'm like, fuck. I remember trying to focus so hard to know my name and my birthday and like my address that I'm like, now that I'm looking back, I'm like, it's fucking insane. <laughs> that um, is so, 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 so crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't just, I couldn't keep it in my mind. I couldn't, I couldn't remember like who I am or any of that shit. And I, I ended up pulling it off. I made the weight. And, uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I had no business being in that fight, bro. It's fucking crazy. And I ended up winning. It was the ugliest fight of all. And the craziest thing is like, that was my first like big fight. It was on Fox. It was the second Fox card ever. 
And that was the first time I think I've had criticism at the level that I'm kind of became accustomed to now. Like I was always such like, I was always nice to people and people were nice back to me, like in real life. And that was the first time in my life, like after winning that fight where like all of a sudden there's like people that hate me and there's people like, you know, they're saying not nice things. And I'm like, wow, I always thought when I would rise to the ranks, everyone always liked me and I, because uh, that's how real life works. Like, and then all of a sudden at that moment, I'm like, wow, this, this shit's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, that was it. There was a thing. Oh, sorry, Rob. You're going to say something. Yeah, that was. I can't imagine what it would be like. Your cut was shit. A world to wait. <clears throat> yeah, like I, I've I've been through a similar cut situation, but for you to 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 go through the things you went through two weeks out, ten days out, <sighs> and cut thirty five pounds, give or take, give or take one or two. <laughs> you did the math, bro. Like I, that is crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, it wasn't wasn't healthy. I don't recommend that to anybody. But, but it was. Next day I know it. Then I'm fighting Mark Munoz. You know, it, it ended up working out for me. But isn't isn't that funny? Because like, you, if we were looking at it like in chips, like we always do, you stacked almost every chip against you for that fight, and you came away yeah. with the victory. Like it's, and then you can stack every chip for you in the like for you in the fight, and you can just come away for loss. Like it's just, the game is like, just, like without me saying to anybody like my story about that fight and all the way that I cut and my uncle and all that um, the amount of backlash I had how terrible and boring that fight was how shitty I looked I got no there's no like they thought I was a prospect now I'm not um, that was that's still to, to this day probably like one of my most proud moments was winning that fight because it took everything all the mental, yeah. all my mental to like be able to have that fortitude to believe in myself and tell myself don't no excuses because there was a i mean i had every excuse in the book to lose and i'm like don't know i have to win i have to win and then not only that it's yeah. not like it's not like you beat a nobody like <laughs> yeah. damien meyer like damien meyer. you know what i mean people are a little bit spoiled you know what i mean like he's he's yeah. good man he's one of the best he is good. and he's it's good. i like the true victory was you not dying i think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i think yeah. Hundred percent. I'm happy with that. But but you also had the situation with uh, is it oh, fuck, Hurricane Sandy? Is it? Is Hurricane Sandy? Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, yep. You wanted? To, can you talk on that? Yeah. Because that was um, before Anderson Silver fight. That was before the Anderson Silver fight. Yeah. So I was was I supposed to fight Tim Boach? Yes. So I so I beat Mark Munoz, and right away everyone was talking about me fighting Anderson Silva and I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to fight Anderson Silva but it's just <laughs> Anderson Silva's not responding to yeah he's elusive <laughs> <laughs> he's elusive I can't seem to find him it's not he doesn't respond to me on Twitter let's just put it that way and I'm like fuck so they started they said that they wanted me to fight Tim Boach and I I said yes I'm like alright I'm going to do whatever you guys tell me to do whatever so I ended up I was going to be fighting Tim Boach and I had I got injured. It was at the beginning of that training camp. Now I could be honest about what really happened, but for years I could never tell the truth. So I went out to start my training camp out in Arizona because my manager at the time owned the gym that Ryan Bader and CB Dalloway and all those guys uh, were at in Arizona. So I went to go train with them. Uh, Volante was out with me. <laughs> this is this is a good story for Volante. And they had a basketball gym in their gym. So we, we warm up playing basketball, and I love basketball. I love 
Like, I think that's a great sport. You know, great, great. I love doing that. So we're playing basketball. I'm freaking smoking everybody. I'm the best one there. Definitely. No problem. Melante <laughs> is playing D on me. <laughs> All these freaking blocky wrestlers. And uh, the, there was a rebound. So, oh, no, wait. Did I have the – no, I had the – uh, I had the ball. I'm dribbling and I'm coming in. And Volante does like a hip check. He ducks all the way down. And as I go up for a layup, and I fall over him and I land on my shoulder. And basically, my shoulder is obliterated. The UFC thought my I, it happened during wrestling. So I'm pretty sure now that it's like been many years, I could tell the truth. <laughs> They're going to ask for your shoulder back. Trust me. 100% they'll ask for their shoulder back. <laughs> anyway, it happened to play basketball. Yeah being honest now anyway yeah so i i couldn't fight boach and at that same time is basically when i went back home hurricane sandy happened and i was i was i had a house on the water with my my cousin we owned it together so both of our families we lived we lived together um you lived with your cousin in that house yeah my cousin his family and 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 and, and with my family we lived on the up uh upstairs floor and he lived downstairs and uh yeah, next thing I know it, Hurricane Sandy was there. Me and my cousin stayed home. My pa- my my wife and my kids and uh, his his wife and his kids left and like went away from the water at a, at my parents' house and I don't know where his family went, but um, we thought it was like going to be like a boys' night out, hanging out. Like there's never been a flooding that got into the houses ever in the history of that area. And my next door neighbor is 80 years old, 85 years old at that time or something like that, and never had uh, like a quarter of an inch of water in his house so we were there just to like make sure everything's good if the power goes out if like you know whatever just to make sure everything's good next thing i know it the power goes out then i we hear banging in the garage so we run downstairs we open up the garage because the garage was the lowest point of the house we open up the garage there's like four feet of water already in the garage i'm like what the fuck all of our stuff is just floating refrigerators up poured all over i'm like what the fuck this is really happening is i'm like now i'm walking through the water trying to save stuff like we got like you know all these all this stuff that we we stacked up in the garage just in case some water came in we stacked up we figured it'd be good now that's all floating them so i'm getting all of our personal stuff and trying to savage it salvage it and bring it into the house as that's going on next thing i know it that water now is into the first floor coming through the the tile floors coming through the bathtubs flowing into the whole first floor so now me and my cousin are taking couches and beds and everything we could possibly can and bring it up to the top top floor so basically we ended up having four feet of water inside of our first floor so it filled up our garage then filled up a three and a half foot crawl space then filled up about four feet in our first floor so basically everything is ruined anything salt water touches starts growing mold and everything is ruined so basically our whole (laughs) everything we have is gone um yeah, so that was Hurricane Sandy, and then we had to move out for like. But how long before the months. Anderson fight was that? That was in the fall. I fought. So hang on one second. I fought Anderson in the July. The first time. So was that six months almost? Yeah, no, no, that was in the fall. Then, that was like in October, or November. You know, I'm, I'm actually taking back some of my story. I Hurricane Sandy happened. Then I had my shoulder surgery. At the end of my shoulder surgery, I could tell you as soon as rehab ended, I was in training camp for Anderson Silva. 
So were you effectively homeless or were you still able to live I, in your house? No, 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 no. We couldn't live at my house. So we had to go live at my parents' house. We Again? Were back in my parents' basement. Yeah. <laughs> and we were living there um, until we could like get all the construction done and get all that mold out. And yeah, that was a long time. You know, now on Anderson Silver, when you beat Anderson Silver, and um, again, Where are you going, Whitaker? he's going to the bathroom. Sorry, 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 sorry. C- correct me if I'm wrong. You you said something, and I've heard you I've heard you speak on it a couple of times. Like, so you win the belt, and all the expectations and all the fulfillment that you thought you'd have of that of achieving this lifelong goal, you win the belt, and then there's, it's not, it wasn't there. Can you speak on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, um, obviously it's, it's all I ever thought about. I, I, at that point, I still have never, out of all my years of wrestling and athletics and anything in my life, really, I'd never really accomplished my main goal. And after years of setbacks and surgeries and doubts and of my own self-doubts and doubts against me, I finally accomplished the goal I set out for, and that was to be a world champion. And not only did I become a world champion, but I beat the greatest of all time, arguably, especially at that time. And, I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything else. I knocked him out. Like, I couldn't have asked for anything else. And I just remember, like, getting back to my hotel room and every, all the noise kind of slowed down. And we had burgers that were being ordered to the room from, like, in and out. I remember going to the bathroom and looking at myself and thinking, like, holy shit. I'm, like, I'm the same guy. Like, nothing changed. And it was just crazy to me. It almost felt like a like I was felt like almost lonely for a little bit. Um, you know, I had all these expectations for so many years on what it was going to be like to finally accomplish my goal, and boom, it's there, it's happening, it's done. And it felt like I don't know, it felt like a little lonely, and like, what's next? Like, what the hell? What's my next goal? My goal is always I'm beating Anderson Silva, and I'm going to beat him again. Did you have the belt and the the title and that as a defi- as a defining characteristic of you as a person, or did you just have that as a career goal? That was everything, everything. Did that listen, fuck I had, with your I had, psyche? I had, I, had, I had my family. Obviously, is the most important thing, but the amount of effort and time and mind power that I put towards accomplishing that goal of becoming a world champion and after failing so many times through wrestling and then in everything I've ever participated in, I never accomplished what I wanted to. And then finally I did. Uh, it was just like, for some reason you expect more. And then it's like, oh, this is it. Like, all right, that's it. And then, and then it's like, all right, I got to push kind of to find what I want to do next. Like, what's my next goal? You got to find new goals for yourself. And I will say, after that first fight with Anderson Silva, I was so set, I'm having another one with him. I knew that from the get-go. I'm going to beat Anderson Silva, I'm going to beat him twice. I, I, that was already part of my plan. That was it. But once I beat him the second time, that was really when it hit me like, all right, I guess well, I just got to try to defend my belt as many times as possible. That just like is like a such a vague goal. Yeah, so it's an open-ended like, goal. I'm just going to, I'm just going to like keep, whoever it is, I'm just going to, just keep trying to win and then one day you'll probably lose but never gonna happen i'm just gonna retire undefeated i don't know it's like that was kind of where my mind was at and when i yeah and like i think when when i was fighting leota machida 
it was like because I was after the Anderson Silva, it was like to shut everybody up. Like, all right, I got lucky twice against Anderson Silva. I'm gonna now. This guy's undefeated at middleweight. He was a light heavyweight champion. Everyone thought he was gonna kill me. I'm gonna shut everybody up. So that was my goal. With that one, Vitor was a stretch for me to push for motivation. I'm just like, all right, I guess I want to keep. I want to keep winning. I want to hold my belt. Uh, he's a legend. I don't know. I'm just gonna. I did a six-week camp for Vitor Belfort. I started. I had like an injury before. Before I think my Leo Machida fight, and I had to postpone the fight. And I remember getting so much backlash. Always, oh, always injured, and all this shit. Like you've dealt with too. <laughs> yeah, people. And, every comment was put him in bubble wrap. Put him in bubble wrap. I got all that too, bro. And I'm just like, so I had the pressure. Like, all right, I'm gonna do less of a camp, less chance of getting injured. That should work out. So I did that with Vitor. It worked out. I felt like shit going into that fight. It was like I was probably out of shape going to that fight. But anyway, I finished him the first round. But I used that same mentality going to my Luke Rockhold fight. I'm like, I did a six-week camp against Vitor. I won. I'm going to keep defending my belt. I'm going to beat this guy. And the first week of camp against Luke Rockhold, I fracture my foot. I do a switch kick on Volante. I try to go as hard as I possibly can. It bangs his elbow. I break a bone in my foot. For the whole camp, I could hardly do much. I thought it was going to heal. Like, every week, I was like, oh, I'll feel better next week. And then it never did. I never really trained. So I don't do six-week camps anymore, basically. Um, because if you get injured, you're screwed. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> how do you feel, like, the mentality? Because, like, from from personal experience, like, my last fight, the whole, the whole camp, more or less, like, it's just about me getting to the fight. Just... In my head, I'm just like, I just got to get there. I got to earn some money. I just have yes. to get there. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the, I have the same mindset, and, and I don't like that. No, nah, yeah, like that. exactly. In these in these high high stake fights where we're fighting literally the best guys in the world, it's you can't have that mentality. You showing up isn't good enough. I know, I know. Uh, Chris, sucks. <laughs> with. <laughs> With with you, you what are we gonna do, bro? Did you always want to go? Did you always have in the back of your head you're gonna go light heavyweight? Always, I always thought like at some point I'm gonna go up the light heavyweight. I didn't imagine the way it ended up. Ended up even like the even if I had won my fight with Dom Reyes, um, I didn't expect to go up after be, being on like a losing streak at, at middleweight. I always imagined it this. All right, I'm going to defend my belt as many times as I want at middleweight. Then I'm going to go up to 205. I'm going to beat John Jones, and then I'm going to retire. And then the next thing I know, it, I lose Luke Rockhold. All right, I'm going to wear my belt back my next fight. Bisbing ends up fighting uh, Dan Henderson, and then GSP, and then I'm fighting. All right, I'm going to. All right, they want me to fight Yoel Romero. I'm going to beat Yoel Romero. Then all of a sudden, I get banged with a freaking Cuban missile in the third round. So there goes that. All right. Now, holy shit. I'm on a two-fight losing streak. What the fuck? I can't believe it. And now I'm fighting Musasi. And then hold the Baco Musasi, which that whole thing pisses me off more, anyth- more than anything. Uh, yeah. Was, life happens. Was, <laughs> it doesn't was, go your way. It hasn't gone my way. How was it, though? Because like, um, was the pressure stacking up after every fight? Like, after every fight, it was just stacking up? Cause it, Yo, like, cause, my fight, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, this is from from an outsider's perspective. It looked it looked like the pressure was just stacking up, and it's uh, not not necessarily like I could see that you were stacking it on yourself. Because you're like, okay, 
to make it back, to make it up, to make it back. But I could see that the the show, the fans, they were just stacking it on. Like, okay, this was a weird loss. He's going to make it back this one. Oh, this is... Like, you just caught him in the end. This is going to... Like, I can just see that, that was, escalating. That was That's an optimistic approach. A lot of, like, that was my mindset going into it. Like, all right, I was winning this fight until I made a tactical error. And then I was going... I was winning this fight, and then I made a bad mistake. Then this one was weird. Uh, but a lot of the other... Uh, critics out there were way more negative than that this guy always sucked the fans man oh my Finally god but it's not just fans out. the fans are because the fans don't know shit that's the truth most of them don't know but it's the other other dudes and shit you know what i mean other fighters and all that 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 sort of gets me you know you know what blows me away is is the the way the media the ufc and everybody else treats you after you have a loss like after i lost to israel they're treating me like I'm dead. Like my wife's my wife's getting messages saying condolences. <laughs> I'm like I'm still here. It's like I just lost a fucking hard fight. Bro, I wish they seen it the way we see it. Like you dumb it down. It's a competition. May the best man win. And like we're still alive. We're fine. And let's move on to the next one. I wish it wasn't such a serious thing when you lose. Like, is it a, that serious when someone loses in the basketball game? It's just that, like, I know we're getting punched in the head. I know it's dangerous and all that, but I just feel like it's made up to be so crazy when you lose. Like, now your career's over to where maybe it affects us and then it becomes a reality. I, I, sometimes I question that. Like, is it is it that drastic on us to, to, to lose a fight? Or is it because we think it is because of what we're told by, like, fans and just by what people believe from the history of fighting which is super young i, I think also it's like how much do you think i think you two not necessarily as much like but i think it's also how much importance do you give to when you win so if when you win you think that you're allowed to you know act a fool and act like a dickhead and whatever like if you think you're small or special yeah you you're, 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 you're fucking well, super but special did, but, but you he did a great job with that so he's yeah, no, no, no. Lost better. Yes, he didn't have an ego. He wasn't thinking he's better than everybody. Yeah, I, I don't think like he. I, I don't think he bounced. I don't think he himself went as low as he could have, if he had thought like. Because also, don't forget, if he had treated everyone like insane, say myself and other people in the camp, well, I wouldn't have. Me personally, just how I am as a person, I wouldn't hang around like I don't. I'm not a professional bag carrier, you know, but. If <laughs> there would be, there are, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when you lose, those people fuck off too. And then you're left with no one, you know? So I think that that, like, you know, those polar opposites are, are massive. Um, but I think that, that a lot carries over with, um, with the result. If you win, you're treated like royalty. And if you lose, you're treated like dog shit. And how much you treat yourself if you win and how much you treat yourself if you lose, I think matters a lot. Yeah, definitely. Going back to those Instagram comments, like if you look at the good, hundred percent. You're gonna look <laughs> at the bad. It's it kind of is like, yeah, it's kind of the similar similar thing here. Yeah, you gotta kind of try and keep it on the level, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know. you know, it's a, another crazy thing, and especially here, like talking to you and you opening up, and like it's been so good to listen to it because people don't people don't realize 
because they, they see us in the lights, they see us in the in the arena, they see they see UFC embedded, which just makes it look like every day we're in the gym grinding. But nah, sometimes we wake up and we're not don't feel like training or sometimes we come home from training and our wife gives it to us for not showing up to this thing or sometimes like we we live lives like you <laughs> i have a question yeah, for you chris same shit do yeah. you do you um with as far as like mental health or anything have you had struggles with mental health do you see someone to especially with the fact that you have a, a psych background so you know the importance of mental health like can you speak on that a little bit so as far as mental health, I'm pretty good. I'm not like I don't get super depressed or super anxious. Um, I'm pretty good with that. I don't have the best attention span, but that's been my whole life. Um, but as far as like the lows and dealing with that, I'm I, I'm pretty good. Um, as far as seeing someone for sports psychology, I haven't seen anybody, but I'm not opposed to it. I think that's a valuable thing. Um, I haven't done it. And I and the reason why I haven't done it, one is because uh, of like laziness and having to reach out, and then I don't know. It's just I'm skeptical of everything too. Um, like I don't know. I don't know. Is that? Are you asking me? What are you asking? <laughs> <me>? <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm, I'm drunk now. <laughs> I'm just curious as to how you deal with mental health because like everyone's got mental health. Everyone has mental health. Like. It's just how do you keep it where you keep it or how do you deal with it when it's not good or whatever. Like, like everyone has it. I, yeah, I got, I got to say when, when something really bad happens, um, like if something really bothers me and like I'll, I'll go, I, I don't handle it great, I'll, but I, I just separate myself. I like, like my wife knows if something really is bothering me, I need to go lay down and like take a nap. I need to like be away from everybody. I need to like go in the room be by myself, lights out, and I need like, just be by myself. That doesn't happen often, but that's when the shit hits the fan. Like, I need to get the fuck away from everybody. Um, other than that, which is, that's super rare, I'm, I'm pretty like a positive, optimistic person. So, I can't complain. Mm. You have, um, is it, did, did I read correctly or did I hear correctly that you had some injuries and the injuries were, in, were being affected by the weight cut? Like a herniated, or did you just say that? Do you just no, no, no. I just think um, it makes sense. Like I've had a lot of injuries over the years. I've had twenty-three surgeries. Twenty-three surgeries over the extent of my life, um, and it just makes sense to me that not cutting weight would be more valuable to your body, and like you know, not depleting yourself of nutrition would would favor not getting injured keeping your body strong your joints and whatnot um yeah like i one of the things that i kind of was never into was strength training i was like i'm not like super passionate about that like if you put me in a wrestling jujitsu or striking anything like that i love i'll fall in love with it i want to like do it especially like the live aspects like sparring or like rolling or wrestling i'm obsessed but strength training i was like i, I kind of like would just make myself do it here and there but i was never into it but i think that's a valuable thing uh to keep your body strong and i always i never really got into it um so i'm trying to do that more now um on unrelated topic totally unrelated topic did you watch a polaris match versus uh nick rodriguez and uh luke rockhold i saw i saw a clip i didn't see the full thing 
Yeah. You train at Henzo's sometimes, eh? Yes. Have you ever trained with Nick Rodriguez? I haven't trained with him, no. Because I was just going to ask you. What no, no, I haven't, I haven't been there when he was there. I haven't been to Henzo's in a while. I've been kind of at Matt's more, at Sarah's out here on Long Island, to take the train right in half an hour. Um, oh, well, at for me, it's an hour now, but I just haven't been, I haven't been doing it recently. Okay, so did you see any of the match? I didn't, I seen a clip of the match. I know I know Rodriguez won. I knew he was snapping his head. I got I been I was told what happened. And it makes sense. He was being kind of I mean Rodriguez is a big jacked up fucking. <laughs> he's a big guy. <laughs> you know, decent wrestling, and he's pulling on. I could probably tell you I didn't see it, but he was pulling on his neck and throwing him around a little bit, and. Um, but I heard it was kind of boring, not much action, until maybe Rodriguez took him down, took his back at one point real quick. Luke went for a takedown towards the end. That's all yeah. I really know, but I know Rodriguez won, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was yeah. just interesting as well. Like, Rockhold impressed me too, though. He was like, he was fucking jacked in that. Like, he looked big and um, Rodriguez didn't have it all his way by by any stretch of the imagination. No, I was just curious if you'd... If you'd watch that at all, is that something that would interest you to compete in those kind of things now? I would like a match like that. That would be fun. I don't know what these guys are getting paid, um, but either way, like, I know, I know, I could definitely do really good with that. I'm, I like the grappling stuff and wrestling. I'm right there with any wrestler and um, and jujitsu. Like grappling, I, I just feel like I'm. I'm freaking good at grappling so i before i'm freaking done and i can't even walk anymore that's something i'd like to do yeah you know before off off air your little fellow was on your little guy yeah, yeah. Um, and he's been wrestling since um yeah. for what, three years now he's seven years old he's been wrestling would how do you feel about him fighting if he wanted to yeah. fight i mean like yeah i mean I would, i'd rather him not fight was up to me but if he got super passionate about it and he really wanted to do it i'm going to support him in anything he wants to do that's kind of how i feel um i have him playing every sport he does he does he does flag football he does jujitsu he wrestles uh he plays basketball um he's going to start lacrosse now i have him playing everything and if somehow he wants to become a fighter at the end of the day i will support him i'd rather him not get his head hit for a living yeah i yeah. think he's a super smart kid and i don't want him losing you know, brain cells. <laughs> me, me and you are, are very similar opinions. Like, fighting's, fighting's hard. <laughs> His oldest oh, boy is four. Yeah. His oldest boy is four. I got yeah. a four-year-old. Yeah, I'm... I'm that's got to be a... It's a fun age, right? Yeah, my, my son just won't get off the video games now. <laughs> He's like... Oh, uh, my son's obsessed too. Yeah, and I'm the whole time, like, I wanted him to jump on him because I love video games as well. So I wanted him to be a part of it. What do you, what do you, what do you play? Not to interrupt, but I got to know. Uh, but, like, I like a lot of, like, the RPG sort of open world games, like Elder Scrolls Online, those, like, those online games. You play World of Warcraft? <laughs> I have, I have, I have. I don't play it actively now. <laughs> you like it, do you? I wasted about two years on that. I wouldn't even look at it because I heard they came out like the new vanilla yeah, classic, version. Like yeah. the, the classic, and I'm like, I'm not, I can't do it. You Horde or Alliance? I was Alliance, but I, I had a Horde guy too. I had a class in Horde. I, I could never play Horde. They're all what, what's a, What is it? <laughs> World of Warcraft, like, forgive, forgive <laughs> Fabs. I don't know. I've never, I've never played it. Ignorance. He, um, so it's just, it's just a fantasy game. So there's like a, 
it's fantasy. What's a fantasy game? Oh, this is so hard to explain to someone. So when you say alliance, uh, what's so it mean? This, this is why I like the game. It's open world, so you can go anywhere you want. There, there, You can make money doing different trades of work, whatever you want to do. There's different classes, so you could be like a mage, which you deal magic. You could be, you know, there's different races, so you could have, like, if you could be a human, you could be like uh, an uh, orc, dwarf, an orc. There's a bunch of different types of cl- uh, of races, and then you have classes where it's like yeah, but but what is it warrior. like? Like, am I am I can I see my character or am I? Yeah, yeah, you could make your character the way you want it to look. You can make it look like you as much as you possibly can. And then you level up. You start at level one, and the goal is to get the le- let's say I don't know what it is now, but le- level ninety. When you're level ninety, you have all the capacity to do anything you possibly want, all the potential in the world to do yeah. all different. And types you can of fight magic. people and kill things, yep. and yeah, yeah it's that's addicting stuff. thing is hell. It's addicting as yeah hell. The competitive side the of it is mad. Yes, and so yeah, I wasted way too much time doing that. I play different. I play like. Counter-Strike Source for fun, which is a PC game. Are you on PC or no? Yeah, PC, PC. Okay, you, you know Counter-Strike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I love Counter-Strike Source. Mark Hunt's like, huge into Counter-Strike. Is he really? Yeah, he, yeah. The, he probably plays the newer one, right? Um, no, I think he... Do no, you he, play he, Counter-Strike? Mark Hunt plays the old one, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he probably I, plays I play, both. I play the, I play the old one. I yeah, just, Mark play? Hunt is religious on, on Counter-Strike. I've tried getting him to play any other game, and he just goes... No, I just played Counter Strike. But do you play Counter Strike? No, I've jumped on it with the with the lads. What's Counter Strike do? Uh, shooting game. It's a first person shooter. It's it's. Uh, I like it. Yeah, you I go around trying to shoot people. Three. You play that yet? Hey, Borderlands Three. I haven't. I haven't. I've heard it's good though. Great storyline. Great campaign mode. Do you stream? Uh, I, so I used to stream up until my Y'all Marrow fight, to be honest. And I was actually like doing good with the streaming, like. It, you know, I, I became a partner with Twitch and, you know, stream. Like, I had a, a Mighty Mouse was helping me. I was mm. in the same, you know, like, group of people that he has around him helping him. And I was actually doing really well. And then, right, <laughs> I lost to Euro Marrow, and I'm like, ah, I don't feel like going on right now and answering what it felt like to get need. So I'm not going to go on today. And then <laughs> next I know it, it was like another day. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to go in that room. And then I just kind of stopped streaming i haven't streamed really since to be honest I've my <laughs> yeah. streaming career. i understand that because i understand that because after my I last like fight you kind of just want to you just want to block out all the noise and be left alone i don't i want to be able to play video i like playing video games like right now after you we're done talking and, and this has been a great talk i actually don't want it to end but <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably i'm probably gonna like just jump on some borderlands three or counter-strike i don't really talk to anybody it's just yeah. me in my own little world because when you do the streaming, which I do love, and I might do it at some... I don't love, but I might do it at some point because I love playing video games. And if I can make money doing it, why not? But I don't feel like talking about mm. fighting while it's work. playing video games. It's work. It's work. So don't... Anybody out there who's like, bro, how, if you can play video games for money and, and make money, like, what's wrong with you? You should be doing it. I'm like, bro, it's work. It's not easy. <laughs> like, it's you have work. Exactly. It's work. If they subscribe to you and pay you money, now they own you. Now you have to answer every question they freaking ask. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't want to ans- answer these questions. Yeah. Sometimes they're rude and I don't want to fucking talk to you anymore. Yeah. A lot of times like that after training, after a hard session or something like that or some shit you've seen on your comments, whatever, the last thing you want to do is interact with more people. Like, yeah. 
I've been scarred, I feel like. <laughs> Humanity like, has scarred like, us. <laughs> bro, we are calloused. <laughs> Chris, do you have do you have stream? Whitaker? No, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, no. So so we, we stream we stream um we, we we're streaming this now through Twitch. The, the Oh this is fuck, I just there goes my Twitch membership. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if, no, people can jump on board. Like, check out the oh, link here. Are subscribers liking things right now? I, I got no idea. I think we got we got Eli, the mastermind behind the the board over there. And just I gotta pressing be honest, buttons. Like, I'm a, I'm a PC guy. Like, I built my own PC a few times, but to set up a streaming PC and to ha like, I, I have dual monitors and everything, and. It takes time to like get everything the right way, and like sometimes I get back, I'm fucking tired, and I'm like, I have to go through all this and set it up. And just yeah. Know. Are you going for? Yeah, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, he's had he's had enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% get that because like. Is this, is this the worst podcast you guys have ever? Done? No, this is actually one of the the best ones, to be honest. Oh, like okay. the the conversation is is has been great, honestly. Like uh, from 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 myself, like it's 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 been great. It's been great listening to the stories because. A lot of those, like you, you don't see that. Like UFC don't broadcast those stories. They don't. They don't put those stories out there. And uh, it's good to it's good to see that you're human, like everybody else. You know. Yeah. Man. Like we go through the same things. Oh yeah. Do you have anyone next for you? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing next. No, I'm. Uh, so I just got called out by Johnny Walker and then Sam Alvey on Twitter. Uh, everybody just loves jumping on people. Hold on. They're so coming at me. I just lost, bro. I just got knocked down the first round. I'm still getting called out. I'm like, can you guys feel bad for me? I yeah, just give me a fucking break. <laughs> Holy shit. So Sam Alvey and um, Johnny Walker called you out. Do you have, would you have a preference as to which one of those two guys you'd fight? Honestly, or, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, I don't know what weight class I'm going. That's my issue. I, so... I'm up in the air right now. If I'm going to fight at 205, you know, I don't know. I, bro, I haven't fought a guy who's out of the top five in 14 fights. Like, I kind of, like, can I get a, like, this is what Longo, I'm talking like Longo right now. I mean, why didn't you, we were supposed to fight a guy like Shogun or Glover Dick Share our last fight. Then all of a sudden the manager wants to give us Dominic Reyes. I mean, it's a winnable fight. You should win that fight. But, I mean. Yeah, I mean you're joking. Can you get <laughs> one fight, like one we, fight that like is a winnable, like we've e spoke, easier fight? <laughs> we, me and me and Fab have spoken about this a ton of times, and it's like, like Chris has been fighting the top five killers, best in the world, for for the longest period. It's like give us a tune-up fight, give us rank forty-three. Boxers <laughs> get that, yeah. Boxers, no problem. They get who they want. They never yeah. hear. They never heard of the guy that like. Tyson Fury just fought, or like you know, one of these guys, and then all of a sudden they're fighting this huge fight. But for me, it's like, all right, who's the next killer? Give Wiseman. <laughs> yeah, let's like, slide him in I'm there. Like, yeah, I can beat him. Good. How do you feel going up to light heavyweight? Your you your your physique, your your build, your everything. How do you feel comparatively to the light heavyweights? Well, I wasn't as ripped as I'm usually at at 185. That's the only thing that sucked. <laughs> but other than, did you no, feel a I, lot stronger? I felt healthy during camp. I had no issues, which I don't know if that's just because I trained smarter or because I didn't really have to bring my weight down a little lower. But I just let my weight be like natural. My weight was like hanging around like anywhere from like 215 to 220. It was just like hanging around there. And I was like, I don't have to worry about cutting weight. So I'm just going to like I kind of just ate what I wanted. I didn't diet really at all up until until the fight week. 
And it was nice. I mean, I felt great. If I would have won, I would have been like, bro, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, now I'm fighting John Jones, so it would have been fucking awesome. But now I'm like, the guy that, is he ready to retire yet? Fuck. It, it, isn't that crazy, though? Like, if I would have beat Dominic Reyes, which I definitely could have done, uh, then I'm fighting John Jones, fighting the greatest of all time. All that shit, all those losses that I had, they're gone. It's yeah. like, you know, without focus, that why been at 205? He was cutting too much weight at middleweight. That's why he's doing so good. Now he's going to beat John Jones, but I lost. All right. I think he's ready to retire. It's, <laughs> he sucks. The sport is funny <laughs> like that, eh? It's like, if you win, no matter what you were doing, you're a genius. And if you lose, then you were never any good anyway. It's like, it's like yeah. yeah. And I got to say, you kept the, the fact that you were able to keep that while you were up top is, is impressive. super impressive, <laughs> right? I fucking bowed down to you on that. <laughs> thank, because, thank you. Because I didn't do that, for sure. I definitely was like, I'm different. It means a lot better. to me because you're the only guy that's ever complimented me. Everybody else just wants to fucking talk shit and put me down. Oh, for sure. I, I noticed those things. And, I, and I'm not super into, like, I don't know every article that's ever been written on you. I don't see everything that's going on. But I do see small things here and there. And the fact that that 50-50 thing, I love the mentality of fighting. I love, like, the mindset. And to hear you say that as a champion was like fucking mind blowing. I've never, no, I don't know, if, I don't know if any other champion has ever said that. And well, that's amazing. We're wearing gloves. Back. We're wearing gloves this thin. You can trip over and lose. Like it's, it's, you're this, you're this far away from a loss at any given time. Yeah, but when you're on the top of the world, yeah, people don't talk like that because <laughs> yeah. they don't, they don't want to think that. You don't want to think that way. You want to think that you are better technically. You're physically better mentally better and so you don't want to think that there's this chance thing involved there's no more chance because yeah you're, you're the, the best champion. Yeah. but the fact that you could actually bring your mindset to the to, and be honest with yourself is super impressive but chris very, very mature wouldn't you have that mentality regardless like whether you're the belt holder or not do you still feel like say say for example before you fought anderson did you not think you were the baddest dude walking around? No, I did. Yeah, you would have thought that regardless. But I, but I thought in my mind I had to keep that mentality. Otherwise, that any negative thought of thinking that someone could beat me, it would bring me to losing. So I had to keep that super strict mentality of I'm the best. Uh, I work harder than anybody and there's, there's nobody that could beat me. I had to keep that mentality in my mind. And what but about now? Do you still? If I was no, if I was to if I was to become champion tomorrow, I'm pulling a Whitaker. <laughs> I'm being on, I'm going to be more. I'll be more honest with myself and with other people on the on the truth of the situation. Because because you know sure. you know something like just to clarify because I think like all the armchair psychologists are going to go. You see, you're looking at Rob. You could tell that he wanted to lose that fight, and you're like, yeah, I'm sure he did. You know, but but the reality is like. When you're saying, oh, it's 50-50, you're not saying, oh, I hope I lose or nothing like that. You're just going to training going, hey, man, don't miss this fucking session because it's 50-50. And if you miss this session, it now becomes 51-49 in his favor. You know what I mean? So let's cover all our bases 
So hopefully he's missing sessions and you're going 51, 52, 53, 54. You know what I mean? But even then, you can still walk into a hot one and it's over. You know what I mean? But 100%. It's a, but that's a, it's a very humble mindset that's, that's really hard to have when you're at the top. Mm. And I'm not doing that to just kiss his ass right now. I'm just <laughs> being honest. That's it, yeah. For anybody, I hear that from a champion. It's super, I don't know if I've heard that from a champion of any, of any sport. Mm. Because to have that to have that clarity in your mind at that point when you're on the top of the world is fucking very hard to do. Yeah. Very hard to do because it shows weakness it, it, in people's minds. It doesn't, but it, sh- it shows it, vulnerability. I think like vulnerability. Vul- yeah, yeah, it's vulnerability. Like, yeah. like he's basically saying there's a fifty percent chance he could lose. Like he's the champion. Like yeah. that doesn't make sense. But yeah, it's always there. Anyone you'd want to fight. Chris, like anyone you'd, if you could, number 43. <laughs> yeah, any 43s out there? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, listen, I'm. Some guy that lost in a local show or something, a welterweight. If, if, it, if it's too, if, listen, if it was up to me and if it was up to Longo, I'm going to go off that. I'm going to, I'm going to put it on his back because I'm talking on him. Like 205, like a Shogun or something like that. 85. <sighs> Like a Brunson's, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody down or anything like that. I'm just saying. I no, I, I, I don't can I, can I? Like, I think what I think what you're saying is you're not trying to put the guy down, but you're trying to say you want someone that's at maybe at a ranking that would help you build back up. If and if they beat you, they beat you because that's fuck. because <laughs> you know it's the game we play. Yeah, but you, anybody has a chance. Yeah, you'd want to start your rankings again if you, if if. I, kind I of thing. Like, I would, yeah, that would be nice. Um, but I'm also. You, we could be talking like two weeks from now, and they set a fight, and I'm fighting. I'm fighting. Uh, I don't know who's a. Yo, all of a sudden, Yo Romero. You know, he's coming off a loss, right? Oh, I, no, I think he's going to get the Israel fight. Holy shit! Wyben's fucking fighting Yo Romero. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. He thinks he's going to win. <laughs> yeah. Who know? Who knows? Who knows what happens? But um, yeah, it would be. It would be. I don't know. It would be. I think if I was the manager of me, looking in like in a like you look at these other sports and other like boxing and stuff like that, come over the losses I've had and the, you look at the guys I fought. It's not about being tough and proving anything. It's just about uh, getting your feet back on you yeah. under you. Let's start this climb again. Let's start the and, grind and, again. And yeah. seeing where you're at, like you might not be where you were. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, critics, uh, critics are like, he's not that good. Well, maybe right. you're not. Maybe I suck. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm just crazy. You know, so let's let's figure it out. Um, yeah, that would be nice. Hmm. But I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. How, how sure did the relationship with like you and Ray Longo, you and Matt Sarah, and and they, those two have the gym together as well? Can you explain a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, so they don't actually have a gym. Oh, not a gym, the team, a team, yeah. Yeah, it, no, but people get confused all the time because me and Longo have a gym together. Yeah. So Longo, Weidman's Mixed Martial Arts and Law MMA. Uh, but Sarah, so Sarah has two schools, two uh, jiu-jitsu schools on Long Island, and Ray has, it was more of a stand-up school. Now it's kind of, we do everything in the MMA. Um, but they were, it was always Sarah Longo. And then me and Longo ended up joining forces and, kind of making the school nicer when I became champion and we joined up together and but we still keep the Sarah Longo 
flag. You know, that's that's never going to change. It's not like, oh, where's Weidman in there? No, no, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, this is Sarah Longo. I got a lot of pride. Those are my coaches, and that's going to be your coaches. We, me and Longo have a gym together that's different, but the team is Sarah Longo. Mm. That's cool. Well, I guess yeah. we should start wrapping it up, Chris, because um, we've been over two hours now. So you guys want to take a shot? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, hey. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate your time. And we'll definitely be cheering for you in your next fight, man. So thank you so much for Always everything. Always behind you, mate. Hang it's on. Whitaker. Yo. You're the man, bro. But who are you fighting next? Since all the pressure's been on me. Uh, oh, you're <laughs> fighting Darren Till. Never mind. I know N- that. No, I've been trying to get that fight. But I, I don't think they're going to make it happen. I mean... What do you mean you've been trying? You could get... I mean... Darren Till has won one fight at 185. If you want that fight, you got it. No, nah, like we, we're both Not trying. House, you know. But um, but the inner machinations of the UFC, they, they've got other things in mind. So, other so other fighters for you. To fight. <laughs> other things in mind. I'm trying not to screw like myself. The the UFC, the UFC has said that he's going to fight someone else. Yeah, like they you want. want yeah. If if it could make it, we can't. Can't break the news right here on the. Nah, I don't no, think so. I, wish. I, I get crucified. I wanted to go to Europe. I still want to go to Europe so bad, but they won't let me. So, have Darren, you ever been to Europe before? Never. Have you? You got yeah, knee yeah. surgery there, didn't you? Did you get knee surgery in Europe? No, no, no. Uh, no, but I did go there to get. Um, it's kind of like stem cells. It's called Reginokine. Yeah, in Germany, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dana had sent me back, sent me out there, which was awesome on his own dime. To get like this this regino kind it's basically like stem cells put into your knee it well i had to put it into my knee um it didn't work but i was about to ask you did it work because i got shit knees <laughs> <laughs> yeah it didn't it didn't work it, i did it twice actually went out there um i've tried mm. everything we could do a whole nother podcast <laughs> hey, if you guys ever want to invite me again it, it was honestly it was a it was a pleasure doing this hanging out with you guys now, nah, awesome, man. Thank you very much. No, no, it was so good. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and opening up and sharing your stories with me. Like, it was, like I said before, it was so good to just see that, like, shit, this guy's human like, like I am. Like, <laughs> it's such yeah. a good, it's so good to know that, like, they're, like they're, everyone's the same. Everyone's, um, we're all human, man. We're all the same <laughs> at the end of the day. All just maybe a little differences here and there, but we're all the same. 100%. Thanks heaps, Chris. Have a good night, Have a good night man. I'll Take be in care. touch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, take care. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Are we off the air? No, no. We're not off the air? <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for listening. It was an excellent episode. What an amazing what a ma- an amazing chat. He like. was a nice guy, wasn't he? Yeah. I hope like. his brother doesn't kill you. Nah, he's going to kill you. You're the one who's putting shit on him. I just brought it up. I didn't know what kind of... I thought he was just a football yeah, player. Yeah. Don't, don't even think about going to New York anytime soon. <laughs> but um, no, I was so happy to like to just chill and chat with Chris like that. And it was so, so easy to talk to and just open with conversation. It was just... It's so good. Like, I, I, honest to God, I only wish him in his career the, the best. And he seems like movie. a real dude, too, when you're talking to him. Like, yeah. he's not like a... Yeah, because I was a little hesitant at first because I, I didn't know what to expect because I've never spoken to him. Like, he's a weird, sort of he's a weird talking to someone that you could potentially fight. You see, that was the, the kind of um, feelings I had going into the talk. I was like, I was a little bit on edge because like, heck, I might fight this guy one day. But... um. But there's nothing, none of that there. There was nothing. Like as soon as we started talking, like all that bled away to the point now where I'd like to, like maybe train with him one day. 
Like, I don't want the UFC to match me with him because I kind of like the guy. They're not going to match you, mate. No, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do me like that because I don't want to fight him now because I'm his... Because like, now it's got a storyline. I feel gonna... like we're friends now. I don't want to... Don't do me like that, UFC. Like, I feel like we're friends and then we could train together potentially one day and... Yeah, you know, like, to be honest, we've spoken about this before. It's like I've always looked up to his skill set and him as when he was a champ because when I was kind of starting my grind and, like... He, like he was always the most intimidating dude on the block because I thought his skill set was just like unbelievable. Apparently not. Apparently his brother. <laughs> Apparently his brother's the big deal. But uh, that went that went on a. I'm still stuck on that because I just asked if he played football. Yeah, you. <laughs> you. I don't, I don't know why you do this to people on this podcast. Huh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why you make people bleed their hearts out to you, to, to our listeners. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. So guys. Um, if you like, please follow Chris Wyburn. He's a he's a he's a great athlete, great person now as well. And now, now, <laughs> just now, he's got a Rob's blessing. But feel free to to follow him here <laughs> on this link, a, as well as follow me and Fab on this link. Follow here. me here on this link, as well as the Discord that everybody seems to be raving on about. Someone is going to post it here, um, <laughs> just here, and feel free to put donations here. I also want to congratulate one of our young guys at Fort on the weekend. His MMA debut, Mr. Sione Vecoso. He won by um, TKO in the first round. Mm. So that was good. Uh, he's Izzy Fitikefu's brother. And uh, I think that you'll see both of them in the UFC in the in the future. Yep. It looks that way. Like, he... he like, um, unbelievable. Unbelievable beginning to, you know, hopefully a, a very long career. Good, good. Guys, thank you very much. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Peace.